Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Fly Purbly with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Welcome back to the Fly Purbly Town Hall. I'm Steve Jacot. You can listen to the Craig Forsyth Town Hall on a competing podcast network right now at the same time if you want or not it's your choice no no bad no it's uh, yeah I'm no so sorry yeah we're not yeah that's it's, <laughs> yeah that's not where we're at that's not where we're at and god damn it we're so close to the nightmare ending please just a few weeks get yeah. out there and vote people vote uh yes no we're here to talk about the hockey because the hockey right now is the only good sports <laughs> and it's not that great uh, the Flyers really didn't do anything in free agency, and that may or may not be a good thing. That is a TBD at this point, but the it's not so good for the Eagles. Mm. Eagles uh, looking real. I'm excited. There's something. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but there's something. I'm pumped. I think, you know what? I'm thinking the, the Eagles are looking really primed and ready to uh, help me win the argument back home when they take on the Ravens this week. I'm thinking the Eagles crush them like 33-7. Just uh, offense that can't be stopped. Defense is getting stack, sacks nonstop. I mean, they're just – I'm feeling it, Steve. I'm feeling pretty good. You're feeling, you're feeling pretty good? Nope. Yeah, I mean – No, not at all. <laughs> no, no, not a bit. It's, it's, I mean, the, it's not looking great, folks. Yeah. I would not put money on the Eagles for this one. Ugh, are the Eagles the second most promising franchise in Philly right now, though? Because that is – I mean, I don't know about the, well, I don't know where the Sixers, yeah, Sixers, I don't know where the people, the Sixers, the Sixers it's going to depend on, it's going to depend a lot on what the Sixers do in the off season. I know Doc Rivers was pretty much the best coaching candidate they could have gotten, but the fact that a lot of that front office is still kind of in place is uh, distressing to people, but we'll see what happens on that front. But it's, I mean, the Sixers at least have some promise and should make the playoffs next year. The Eagles, it's TBD uh, if they'll make the playoffs. They actually still could win the division because uh, the rest of the division is uh, I, uh, yeah. Dak Prescott's foot basically I, flew off. Yeah, this I feel like this year, like this season, it's just like collectively the worst things about the NFL somehow keep Eagles fans' hopes alive. Like the NFC East is the most embarrassing, like, division in professional sports and because of that the eagles are still somehow in there and then also the gruesome injury that like Dak got that nobody wanted to see like well there's only one team really that can beat the eagles in the eagles division and that's the cowboys and i don't really 
don't. I, I mean, I'm not too confident in Andy Dalton. I mean, there's a lot of weapons in Dallas, but it's also just like shitty to. It'll be like the least satisfying division win ever if the Eagles somehow did it this year. It'll be like seven and nine. They did it because the Cowboys didn't have Dak. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm fine. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather the Eagles just take it on the chin this year, and then they like actually realize that they're fucking up. And then I don't know. And actually get like a good draft pick. Yeah, start yeah, drafting and develop again. It, but yeah, maybe yeah. sign some linebackers. I don't understand like why no linebackers has been a, a mentality for this franchise. But like, I, Nigel Brandon went off for one year, and hey, look at that! It helped us win a Super Bowl. So like, why? What, listen, what are we doing? Listen, the receiver taken immediately after the receiver the Eagles took. Is that <laughs> so the Eagles know what they're doing. With drafting, <laughs> clearly, DK Metcalf. I mean, the- that one, I'm not. I'm not getting over that. Well, that one's terrible, and also Justin Jefferson's having a, a killer start, so it's yeah. it's just, it's bad. It's bad. I had, but oh. I, I, the thing is, as I'm saying, like, the Eagles are actually, like, they're in the middle of the pack. The Sixers are, you know, a big question mark. The Phillies are the one that's really pissed people off. Like, uh-huh. I, the Phillies managed to take all that goodwill from signing Bryce Harper, trading for Real Muto, and have just flushed oh it God. down the toilet. And that Harper signing was last year. I completely forgot that that was like one year ago. And now it feels like Philly fans are already over the Phillies. (laughs) I mean, Harper's been great, but the rest of the, I mean, real Muto was great, except for the fact that I'm saying was because he's probably going to sign somewhere else because this cheap ass ownership has decided to get even cheaper. Like the Phillies used to have a reputation for being a cheap franchise and they really just seem to have doubled down on it lately. I mean, the fact of the matter, so they, they, they had their GM step down, uh, Clintac, and then, but he still stayed on. Like they didn't fire him. Yeah, yeah. He didn't resign. He just stepped down and he's going to be like the assistant to the general manager. Yeah. He's going to be Howie Roseman to the, whoever the next general manager is. So that's okay. Great. Uh, they haven't signed real Mudo. They're probably not going to, and he's probably going to go somewhere else in free agency. And it's probably going to be a New York team. The Yankees. Yeah. The yeah. So, yeah, so thanks just, for that. That's yeah. just dandy. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. On top of that, on top of that, to add to the the cheap reputation, uh, the Phillies had let go of Jim Jackson, our beloved Jim Jackson Flyers fans. Uh, if you aren't aware, if you're just a Flyers fan, don't really know the Phillies that well. Jim Jackson has been doing middle innings radio work for the Phillies as, lo- as well as pre and post game work. He's been doing it for years now. Does a really really good job with it, and it, it's always a little weird to hear Jim Jackson do. Uh, Philly's work after knowing him primarily as the voice of the Flyers for so many years, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's done a really good job with it. And they let him go, and they called him a luxury they couldn't afford, which is just kind of what an insulting way to put yeah, that. It's all condescending, yeah. So like I, yeah, for outside perspective, it really does seem like they're just just fucking up. It seems like they're doing everything wrong to piss everybody off. And uh, I don't know if Jim Jackson knows anything about baseball, but man, that's voice. That feels like the perfect voice to do a baseball game. Feels very relaxing too. Like I don't know. Yeah, the, well, the thing with JJ was like at first it was really jarring when he first jumped on those broadcasts, and then I mean he really settled in nicely, and it, you know I think he did a, a great job with it the past few years, and it's it sucks, man. You know I I, I as far as I knew he liked doing it. JJ such a great guy. Again, uh, I interviewed him a few years back, and just couldn't have been nicer about everything. And I mean he's still the voice of the Flyers. He's still doing that for us and we will be hearing him uh, every game so that's that's great but yeah, and that just sucks and i hate that the phillies were just 
so insulting about it. I, I it's just, I feel like he deserved better than that. And they're just not, they're not doing anything right. They're treating everybody pretty poorly. And I am very, very unhappy with how the Philadelphia Phillies have been operating lately. Yeah, so sports are, sports are going pretty well. Sports are good. Sports, as it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, so it brings us to the Flyers. The Flyers have still not done really much in free agency. Gustafson part two electric boogaloo is our, mm-hmm. our highest famously move known so yeah, far. Big, that, yeah. Our, yeah. Famously known. Uh, he's our biggest move so far as Flyers fans. And that's got some mixed emotions. And yeah. at the same time, exciting young talent developing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us the that blah, that blah, keeps, blah. <laughs> it's it's not of... blah, 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 but you know what? I, we've been saying that for like for years. Six yeah, years yeah, 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 I gotcha, yeah. It's the thing. I'm excited about the young talent, and I have been excited about the young talent. I've been on record as that. I, it was more of about it's to go been on, what yeah. we've talked about on this podcast. I know the blah blah blah, the yada yada yada. I'm going on a, about to go on a big run about Tyson Forrest here. You're like, yeah, the future, blah blah blah. Anyway, here we go. Blah let's, blah let's blah. Talk about, yeah. No, no, <laughs> I actually do want to talk about Tyson Forrester. We talked about Zade Wisdom on our last episode. We talked mm-hmm. about how he signed a ZLC, which. Again, could not be happier for that guy. It is such a uh, great yeah. story. If you've not checked out that story on The Athletic about Zade Wisdom and his journey to the NHL through hockey, uh, please go check it out. It's such a good story. But let's talk about the first round pick. Tyson Forrester, who I would say he's definitely the Flyers' most controversial pick and this is like a mild controversy at best. Oh, <laughs> this yeah. Year. No. Yeah, it was not. I think, uh, I, I don't think People around the league are on are as high on him as I guess Flyers fans are going to become of him. Like he, because he is a shooter, he's a pretty good sniper, and he does have a dangerous shot and everything. But I, I don't think he's getting. We'll talk about some of the prospect rankings in a little bit, but it doesn't seem like he's quite on the national radar yet as being. I, I think people think he was a reach at at uh, at twenty three. So uh, he can change that. I mean, Morgan Frost was also kind of regarded as a reach at uh, like late in 2017, 27. I think the perception out there is that he's a bit of a project and yeah, that's he's fair. got it. Yeah. I mean, the, the flyers also are getting a bit of a reputation for, for drafting guys that can't skate, but they, yeah. they do everything else really well, but they can't skate. But I mean, Forrester, the thing that is exciting about him is that big, heavy shot of his, that one timer things that we've really wanted to see from a sniper for the flyers for a long time at this point. Yeah. So it's, it's a different kind of prospect than what they've drafted in the past few years, which is primarily uh two way players. Yeah. And uh, to go on or, or to kind of sum up what we're talking about here. So say wisdom signed his entry level contract earlier in the week, the fourth round pick the flyers had in the 2020 NHL draft uh, last week, earlier this week, they signed uh, Tyson Forrester, the fir- uh, first round pick, 23rd overall, to a three-year ELC, 925K a year. He'll be an RFA in 2024, so the Flyers will have the chance to, or they'll get their first chance to sign him before he goes to free agency. Uh, and again, six foot two, 194-pound Canadian right-hand center, 80 points in 62 games last year for the Barry Colts in the OHL. He had 36 goals, tied for 16th in points and 15th in goals in the OHL last year. Um, and again, he was like Barry was not a good team uh, offensively. At least they finished 16th in the 20 team OHL with 220 goals, and uh, he had a little bit of the, uh, the Taylor Hall show going on, where he was just pulling away from everybody in points. He had 80 points, and uh, the two players uh, that Ethan Caldwell, Cardwell and Aiden Brown, who are both undrafted overagers, uh, were tied for second on the Colts with 47 points. So we had 
33 more points than the second closest and third closest uh, players on his team. Uh, also, led his team with 225 shots roll. Uh, Cardwell was second with 166. So, like, 36 goals on this team where, again, he was probably the guy on the team, like the go-to guy that they always wanted to feed the puck and everything. And that's why he led the league. Um, he had the most amount of shots from the slot per game in the OHL. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or at slot reception. So uh, 3.7 slot pass receptions in the slot per game, which was first in the OHL. So he got to the dirty areas and he was getting the puck in the dirty areas. And also he, his shot is shot's pretty damn good. Uh, I felt like if you go through and watch highlights of him, his one-timer is ridiculous. And he's also just beating on-screen goalies and like kind of surprising him with shots from high in the circles, above the circles. So his, his, his shot is potent. And uh, again, like you said, Steve, it's really, he's considered a project because of skating and the Flyers just fucking love that byline on any on any prospect. It's just a lot of skill, but he doesn't know how to skate. And they're like, that's <laughs> that's our boy right there. That's him. Let's get him. Great hockey sense just needs to learn how to do the fundamental hockey <laughs> skill of skating. He's amazing on odd man rushes. Hockey IQ off the charts. Still sometimes puts his skates on backwards. The Flyers are like, that feels like a third round pick to us. So let's, let's lace him up. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> uh, and again, he is working very diligently on his skating abilities. Uh, he had been working with, oh my God, I already forget the guy's name, but uh, the, oh, Paul Matheson, the uh, Barry skating coach. And uh, Matheson uploaded a bunch of clips on Twitter highlighting how much uh, Forrester's skating technique has changed over the last year. I talked about how he needed to pretty much be more on his haunches and kind of use his body weight above his skates rather than uh, like just kind of his upper body leading, yada, yada, yada. There you go. That's a good use of yada, 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 because I'm kind of bullshit here. Yeah, yeah, so this is, yeah. <laughs> This is, but he, yeah, he's, again, he can shoot and he can be an offensive threat. It's just whether or not the skating comes through. And they're already tackling it now before he's even started the season after he got drafted. I, I like to think there's some hope uh, and there's some promise there. So um, I'm, I'm not sold on Forrester. I like Forrester a lot. I think he, like, again, we're going to talk about uh, Scott Wheeler's, I guess, like post-draft rankings and he's not on there, but I think that's kind of, a lot of recency bias, and also, again, he. I think if he has a strong uh, draft plus one year, I, I think people will pay attention. So, uh, yeah. Would you say more or less of a reach than Isaac Ratcliffe? Like, remember when Hextall traded up to get Isaac Ratcliffe, and he really felt like a project just based on his size when, when Hextall I was done for him? So, like, even, like, I feel like they're the same... Like, Farzer was supposed to be, I think, early second. So it's not, like, the worst. It wasn't, like, the guy that the Blue Jackets took in the first round. It wasn't obnoxious, what are you doing? Or, like, the guy the Devils took that, like, nobody had ever heard of Yeah, no, exactly. But, like, Ratcliffe, to me, the thing with Ratcliffe was the... Hextall was every draft pick is a lottery ticket. So get as many lottery tickets as possible. But then he traded up three picks to get Ratcliffe, who was just a big-ass fucking dude. And his numbers in the OHL weren't that amazing, but in the same light, he was playing on a Guelph Storm team that uh, fucking sucked. Uh, and he was like the only guy, and he was you know six foot eight scoring goals out there. Uh, I I want to say maybe this one, Ratcliffe, because he was a second round pick, and also I mean he his oh, the end of his OHL career was pretty promising. And then again last year, the pros kind of kicked his ass, but uh, I I still have hope for Ratcliffe. I think that was. I don't remember where he was projected to go, but I don't think it was like 
I think he would have been probably been going within a few picks there. Forrester could have been somebody that like, I mean, if everything went right, the Flyers could have traded up for him in the second round, possibly. It feels like. Um, just look at the the pre-draft mocks and everything. But again, that's pretty much because it sounds like everybody fell into the camp of, like everybody identified that his major issue was skating, and that a lot of people have set up uh, that that's going to be his deal breaker. Like if he doesn't figure out the skating he's not going to be that big of a benefit at the NHL level. But if he figures out the skating, then he's probably going to look closer to what he thinks he can play, which is TJ Oshie, which, I mean, you know, if he figures out skating with that shot, uh, I'll take that comparable. And But that's, uh, I don't know. You I can't would... wear sneakers out there for your whole life. Or can you? I mean, has anybody tried? Have we uh, tested this theory? You're just throwing that out there. I mean, they make those sneakers that, you know, they walk pretty well on ice. Wheelies? You know, oh, the, oh, never mind. You're talking. Employ- yeah, wheelies. Wheelies great is on ice. death on ice. Yeah, that would be, that's what, that's what, they needed wheelies. Uh, Leslie Nope and company needed wheelies when they were walking out to do the uh, the town hall thing at the uh, the ice rink. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> when they needed wheelies before the guy dumped it and cussed himself. But yeah, there's no other, there's really no other time you can use wheelies on ice. So, uh, safely, I guess. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, they, you know what? Maybe that's that's what the Flyers, maybe the Flyers are way ahead of the curve. And they know like in 2025, they're just like, you know what? They're going to allow sneakers on ice. And these fuckers don't need to know how to skate. So just get all the good, we'll just get all the good ball, ball hockey players and everybody else that has like got 40 goals in the OHL, but they just, they can't stay on their skates for half the game. Like they're always just sliding around. Maybe the, I, so my theory is after we found out from the Cam and Strick podcast uh, that Patrick Marie oh, yeah, Patrick. was paying for his own skating lessons. Maybe the Flyers have just felt so bad about the fact that poor Patty Maroon had to pay for his own <laughs> yeah, they're skating just... lessons. That they're just anybody, any guy that comes up, it's like he's good, but he can't skate. They're like, well, we're gonna teach him how because that's what the Philadelphia fucking Flyers do. Yeah, like they're just they're all just really bitter about like Patrick Maroon's comments, and they're just like, oh no, we definitely have always and forever have trained our athletes how to skate well. So don't listen to anybody out there who's. You know, recently won back-to-back cups. We got we got it all figured out. Don't listen to them. We got it. We are good. Listen, the big rig, not our bad. <laughs> let big, me tell you. The big rig is, I mean, it's a good enough name that they use it twice in the NHL because of him and Jamie Oleksiak. But the big rig is a great, like, that. Is that Lane Johnson's nickname? I feel like that's got to be Lane Johnson's nickname. Any, Probably. Like, any dude from the South that, like, plays offensive tackle. It's just, I feel like the big rig is always, like, a go-to nickname. It feels like <laughs> the big rig. The big rig. Uh, so with this signing, though, uh, the Flyers, Chuck Fletcher has signed two of his picks from the 2020 NHL entry draft. Again, Forrest are the first round pick and Zade Wisdom, the fourth round pick who went 94th overall. Uh, and when we talk about uh, the other three prospects in the class and also some of the other Flyers prospects that are unsigned, uh, Talking about the deadline for when they can all sign. Emil Andre, the second-round pick, who wins 54th overall, is playing over in Europe, so he has a little more time to sign his ELC. Uh, he has until June 1st, 2024. Elliot Denoyers, who uh, might be this year's Samuel Dubnik Falls, uh, was taken in the fifth round, 135th overall. He's playing in the QMJHL, and also Connor McLennan, who is playing in the WHL with the Winnipeg Ice, a sixth-round pick, have until June 1st, 2022 to sign. Uh, their entry level contracts because they're playing in the Canadian Juniors. Twenty twenty four, my God! Yeah, that just it's, oh yeah, no, that's, that's no time soon. Yeah, well, that's the that's the whole advantage of, uh, and I think that's why you see a lot of a lot of Flyers picks also being 
in the second round being European players because you have a little bit more time to kind of figure it out. Like Emil Andre, like again, he's a mobile defenseman. Do Flyers fucking need that right now? Not really, but the Flyers have four years to figure out if they're going to need them. So I think that's there is an advantage to draft the guys overseas for that reason alone. Um, and then also when you look at some other uh, prospects they have to sign coming up. In the year 2021, the Flyers need to sign Mason Millman, 2019 pick, Igor Sergiuk, and Roddy Ross, also 2019 picks. And then, speaking of the European factor, Ali Lixell, who, uh, I, you know, I don't, I feel like Ali Lixell isn't that bad, and I wouldn't mind giving him an ELC. But again, he is a late-round draft pick. He's a six-round pick in 2017, and that was Hextall's draft. And I don't know how much work Chuck Fletcher is going to be able to get in for a guy that wasn't his the, everybody else that was involved with the drafting him really isn't here anymore. And also, you know, the global pandemic, I don't know how often he's going to be able to go over there and get eyes on um, a guy like Lixell. So uh, that's 2021. 2022 is Adam Yenning, Jack, uh, Jack St. Ivany, Samuel Urson, uh, Gavin Hain, Marcus Westfelt, Westfelt, and then Noah Cates. Noah Cates is the one I'm watching with that. The Flyers got plenty of time. That guy. That looks pretty good. Uh, I'd like to get that guy on wraps. Uh, 2023, Cam York, Bobby Brink, Ronnie, Ronnie Adder, Bryce Brodzinski, and Jay O'Brien. And then indefinite, Ivan Vedatov and my favorite trade piece, Valerie Vasiliev. So those are uh, just an update on uh, the great name, and I believe the Flyers have his rights until 2022. So hopefully I'll be getting off some more uh, trade proposals where I sneak a double B in there. So, Craig, I have a question Light on based me. on this. Considering the Flyers, like, top two picks from last year are guys that don't have to sign until 2023. Is there anything we should be taking from the fact that the Flyers signed Zade Wisdom and Tyson Forrester to ELCs this year? No. Uh, I, I don't really think so. I mean, it's... Guys, I mean, signing an ELC is always kind of... It's always random timing. I, get, I, I don't know. Because, like, I feel like... We're not going to see Forrester in the NHL next year. We're not going to see Zade Wisdom in the NHL next year. We're not going to see either of those guys uh, for a minute. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes prospects just sign that same summer. And I remember, I think it was uh, Pedersen, uh, Hexall's 2014 draft class. Like, he was a seventh-round pick, but he got signed, like, three days later. And then he never stood a chance again to the NHL. So some of these guys will just sign just so they can get into the, I guess, the pros quicker. But, I mean, that doesn't really help them that much in that area. But I don't really care. I mean, I mean, like, it's... It's it honestly one it of those is. things that I've... Well, I've, I've always wondered what the significance of signing an ELC is. Like, I've seen some cases where the ELC is signed and a guy's playing for fan, the Phantoms, like, two days later. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, wasn't sure. I, I'll be honest. This is one of those processes that I'm not quite sure how it all works. As, probably as well as I should know. So, like, so like now... So the ELC just slides each year if you don't play a certain amount of pro games. So like Zade Wisdom and and Tyler uh, Tyson Forrester, these are these twenty 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 one isn't gonna count against them until they actually play in games. So this contract is supposed to end in you know they'll be free RFAs in twenty twenty four, but if they don't play this year, it gets pushed back one year. And again, I'm pretty sure that's still how it still works. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> that would be. I appreciate the lesson on this, Craig. I I mean, it's one of those things that I have seen the term thrown around for years. Yeah. And I kind of just took for granted that I I knew what it meant. And then I was thinking about it today and I'm like, you know what? I'm not quite sure what this means. So I'll like, and again, because they always like kind of tweak stuff uh, with the 
the CBA and everything in terms of like contracts and slides off and but whatever. Uh, so usually, you know, players are drafted this year if they're first year eligible and everything. If they were playing in Canadian juniors, they still have still have potentially um, two more years of playing before they have to go pro. So Tyson Forrester could have been somebody that they let. That's why it's two years out because you finish out the rest of their OHL career and then they're like, is this guy good? Do you want him? And then if you don't want to sign him, then he just becomes a free agent. Um, and it doesn't really count until they actually start playing a certain amount of pro games for you. So that's why like, that's why the nine game count is always a big deal in the NHL, like with the young players, because you know you can see how good they are for eight games and if they're not really cutting it, put them back down. Banished. Yeah, exactly. Then, then that's what they scream, and then it kills all their confidence, and then they never play for them. But uh, some franchises, banished. You know, <laughs> they, but that's how that works. And also, like the guys that you back would see, to the minos with the like the guys you would see that sign want like an AHL or a uh, ELC one day and then are playing in the AHL pretty soon. There's probably guys that were just signed just before the cutoff deadline and then are playing for the Phantoms like the season after. So that would be that would be how that works. So again, all these guys, if they really look like they're going to pan out, the Flyers will keep the guys that look like they have a chance. And there's not... I mean, I, I don't really... I don't know. Just kind of lock a guy up earlier than you... Like, I guess they have a lot of faith and wisdom, or they're pretty wise to Zayt's game. And then also Forrester. Uh, I mean, uh, it is a first-round pick. I, I so, see what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, I see it's, it's terrible. It's not good. I'm oh, sorry about that, everybody. Oof. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the contract stuff, Steve. I was not uh, – I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm not uh, – I wasn't, I wasn't ready for the contract talk. But uh, I think – I'm pretty sure that's how it's still all going, you know? That's, uh, that's what's going on now. Still doing the uh, same old routine they've been doing for years now. Doing the same old, same old routine. So, you know, these guys we're not going to see quite so soon. Yeah, we're not going to quite and see for a bit. While the Flyers are relying on young talent to really step up this year, you know, we're still, as as fans and as podcasters, speculating. What, you know, what could the Flyers do to improve the team coming up this year? Is there anybody that could, any tweaks that could still be made? So we're pouring over the information coming in from the beat writers. And Hell yeah. I just saw this tweet right before the show started from Elliot Friedman. So with, so Dadanoff signed earlier today with the Senators, which uh-huh. is, that's a decision. That is a decision. All right. That he made. Uh, I saw a tweet from Elliot Friedman regarding one of the bigger free agents that is left remaining, and there ain't much out there, folks, but one guy that I think is really intriguing from a Flyers fan perspective is Mike Hoffman. The Elliot Friedman tweet is, hearing Mike Hoffman is considering a one-year deal for his next NHL home. If he does that, there's a good chance that he and Taylor Hall head to market next summer as the leaders in goals per game for all free agents 31 and under. Deja vu all over again. But... Mike Hoffman, he's a a bit of a controversial figure in the NHL for everything that happened yeah. with his wife. Oh, second week we got a bore reference in there. Love it. Is... If it didn't happen last week, I wouldn't have done it again. Those <laughs> Borat references, Thank as we all know, are extremely, you, extremely dated. Yeah, they yes. are. Yeah. Thank you, Ian. His wife, <laughs> but Mike Hoffman's wife had that whole social media cluster fuck that happened with senators and eric carlson's wife and it was a complete you know pr disaster for them in a season filled with pr disasters for the ottawa senators and you know it's kind of melnick's way yeah the melnick 
Mike Hoffman went down to Florida, though, and had a, a pretty nice year. And he's a, a goal scorer, something the Flyers definitely could use depth on. Uh, mm-hmm. And a guy who could facilitate between the bottom six and the top six. So uh, he's, he's an intriguing name to me, Craig. I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, Steve, and I'm going to say this now because I have his cat-friendly page up. He's got 65 goals over the last two seasons uh, with the Panthers. 36 goals last year and 29 goals in 2019-20. Uh, I, he's a little expensive. I don't know if the Flyers could make it work unless they trade, unless they end up do trading uh, some pieces that are rumored to get traded. But this is a here's a guy uh, that I would like on the Flyers because um, I assume all that stuff is in the past. I mean, there, we haven't heard any problems in Florida uh, with uh, Mr. and Miss uh, Hoffman. Would you hear? Any problems from Florida? Because you know is, what? Is there even a hockey media I don't, that covers the Florida Panthers? There's no way. Is to there know. any media in Florida? I'm pretty sure Florida is just like a wild open zoo down there. Like I just feel like any. You tell me any story about Florida, I'm like that 100 percent happened. I believe that, and like no doubt, like the the Florida Man Challenge. Like I I believe anything. There are no rules in Florida, so who knows? Maybe maybe she's still you know. Like writing absolutely horrible stuff to teammates, like significant others, and we're not hearing about it. But on the ice, uh, this fucker can play, and I would not mind him on the Flyers on the top power play unit. Uh, again, left-handed shot does nothing but score goals and shoots the puck. And uh, Flyers kind of need one of those guys. And I think of, I think he's got, I think he has twenty-five power play goals over the last two years. That I don't. That's me guessing. That's not on Cap Friendly, but. Again, I'm thinking about the power play, and if you bring in Gustafson, and he might be replacing, or he could potentially replace Provorov on the top unit, and then you have Drew working from the top of the left circle, where he usually does. Gustafson on uh, point at the top, Hoffman in the slot, Borchek on the other side, and then uh, you know whoever else down low, Konechny or uh, Couturier. But I think, I think putting. Like having a guy like Hoffman on the side is kind of the thing that I, the Flyers that scheme works. Like letting Drew kind of putz around in the left circle and then do a no look pass to the slot and somebody can one time it. I mean that that's what got Hartnell paid for years. That's what helped Brain Chen produce in Philly. And then that is, I think if they get another guy in there that can rifle the shot, you may as well do it. And again, the Flyers really don't have that guy. I love Couturier, but he's not. Not like he has the most lethal shot out there. He's got a pretty good shot, um, but I, I think, I mean, I'd rather be taking one timer from some guy that is known as a prolific goal scorer, and Hoffman would be that guy. Uh, and again, I think the left-handed, like being left-handed, I think that opens up the option of Drew having two different guys he can look to to pass, and that kind of gives him more space and lets penalty kills kind of back off him. So, if there's a way, I'm about Mike Hoffman. They can, uh, they can sign him again. I, I don't know. Like they're they're gonna have to move somebody, and again, I don't know. I have I doubt is Schmidt's going for the third. I don't want to know what ghosts like trademark this because <laughs> it. I feel like it can't be good. Yeah, it can't be. Yeah, I, I I would, and it's not worth it to give him away for for nothing. It just is not. No, no, absolutely not. Especially when the Seattle Kraken are gonna come in and take him or JVR for us. Am I right, Damn, folks? <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, boy. Expansion draft can't come soon enough. Yeah, I will. I mean, yeah. the entire the the entire offseason so far has been dictated by this expansion draft Pretty a year much. away. Yeah. Given what teams are, you know, who's getting like no move clauses and stuff like that. Like it's 
it's exhausting to follow. I can't wait for it to all be done and welcome the Kraken in the league and lose one flyer that may or may not be annoying to me. I don't know. We <laughs> shall see. And again, those the uh, that expansion draft real quick. I was just going to say it does have the same rules as the Vegas Golden uh, Golden Knights uh, expansion draft. So it's can protect either seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, and a goalie, or eight skaters and one goalie. So if you want to go fucking nuts and protect like four or five defensemen, go ahead. Which at this point would be fucking hilarious if the Flyers did that. They're just like protected Gustafson and left like uh, Voracek or somebody else hanging. Yeah, uh, <laughs> spicy. But uh, seven. I mean, like seven. That's the big thing. Is the it's the three. It's the protecting three on defense. Because right now it's pretty clear who the three Flyers defensemen are. You protect, and if you can just bite the bullet for one year, Robert Haig, uh-huh. Justin Braun. Keep going, Mark Freeman, and yeah, uh, Eric Gustafson. Eric Gustafson. You're right. That's exactly right. Yes, we're correct. So, like again, you protect those three, and then you let the other guys. You know, just kind of hang out there and they're fine. But, like, if they do seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie, I think they're fine. And I really do think it is the... Because, again, if you're going to go get a big-name guy and you can't, you're not going to be able to protect him next year, you're trading assets for a one-year rental, and I don't know... I mean, the Flyers should start taking swings here, but I don't know if they're on the verge of a cup going into next season, 2020-21. Um so I, I would say they kind of gear up for that after they lose somebody in the expansion draft rather than sink, you know, prospects or first or second round picks into a guy who is just going to be swept up by Seattle anyway. That's my stance, and that's what I'm what I'm sticking to. But it's really painful looking at the other options, which um, or some of the other names I've been kind of throwing out there as like potential guys that could come in for the Flyers because I really don't know. Not a lot of top four right-hand defensemen that uh, teams are willing to part with, you know, because why not? And two names that were thrown out uh, this week with the Flyers in mind uh, came from Elliot Freeman and 31 Thoughts. And uh, one of them was Travis Hamannick, who uh, when Freeman was talking about the, the Ham Man. When Freeman was talking about the Canucks, he said Tanif was a dis- Hambone. disappointed and his teammates will miss him. The deal the Canucks gave Holtby was what they were willing to do for a goaltender, and they discussed the possibility of Mark Andre Fleury. They also talked to Travis Hamannick, but that went sideways with Smith's arrival. They are all looking for another defenseman. Slater Cuckoo and Sammy Votnin might fit. Sammy Votnin, by the way, is another guy I, I think I would do a one year deal for. That kind of feels like, I think if you slotted him on. The second pair, maybe. I'd have to look at his numbers again, but it kind of feels like a guy you put in the top four. Anyway, Hamannick had Eastern uh, some Eastern interest, uh, parenthesis, Philadelphia among them, and parenthesis, but would prefer to stay in the Western Conference. So, like, Hamannick may have come here, and again, that would have solved... That would have been the one-year band-aid. And again, he's not really... He's pretty decent in New York. Uh, his numbers aren't great in Calgary. Like he's lost a little bit, but a 30 year old right hand defenseman had 12 points, two of which were goals in 50 games for Calgary last season, and he averaged over 21 minutes a night. But again, it, it kind of looks like he's he's slowing down a bit. So that could have been another potential, uh, uh, maybe another Justin Braun, uh, another uh, another Braun light kind of option. A guy that, uh, fine if he's playing on the third pair, but you ideally don't really want him in the top four for long. Um, and then uh, the other name was Jason Demers. So uh, the Coyotes, uh, another bullet from Freeman was the Coyotes and Flyers talk Jason Demers. 32-year-old right-hand defenseman with one year left at $3,937,500 on his cap. 
contract, cap hit. 11 assists in 50 games, averaging 20, 30 a night last season. Used to be good. Not not so great now. And, uh, again, he would fall into a lineup. Used to be good with San Jose. Not so good when he's coming to Philadelphia, which would be the Justin Brown argument. So uh, Demaris Demons are going to be very upset with that <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's a hotbed of just JD fans out there in Arizona just waiting to unleash and rip apart any podcast that just steps on his toes. So uh, take it they easy out there. JD and they talk about JD. <laughs> All the uh, they're all they're all drinking the Jason juice out there. They're big fans of the JD, and uh, I'll tell you what he. No thanks. I don't know. Like he used to be a, a pretty decent shutdown guy, and looking at his numbers now, the, the Coyotes do a lot better with him off the ice defensively than when he is on the ice. So I mean, you can log all the minutes you want, and uh, your, your cap hit can be like kind of manageable. But you know, if you're not putting up points, you're not really that good in your deals on anymore. Uh, the, 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 what are we doing? You know, what's uh, what's the fucking point? And, what are we even doing here, folks? Yeah. And again, I'm just throwing this out there. Uh, this is kind of like a chaos option and not really because uh, I think he's killing it anymore. And I'm pretty sure he might just retire or slash just go back to Boston. But uh, fuck it. Give me one year as a Dana Chara. I don't care anymore. Let's do it. Oh, Let's get wild. Yeah. Baby. Like he might suck when he's here. But I want to watch that fucking draft skate around here. And I want to see him lay people out. I want to see him put people in the glass. So uh, I'll do it. That's fine. We're all going to be home in the pandemic also, anyway. Yeah. It would piss the fuck out of Bruins fans. Oh, yeah, that's important. That's the main thing is just piss off Bruins That fans. huge, yeah. huge man in a Flyers jersey, in the orange and black, it would piss them off. Yeah. And I'm here for it. Because when Penguins fans were really pissed off about Yager in a Flyers uniform, it gave me life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what? what's funny about the Yager thing is, like, does it kill you? That... He had played in Washington and New York yeah. before. Oh, yeah, that too. So yeah. it was like, whatever. But did, you, did LeClaire going to the Penguins kill you? I didn't like it. I didn't like it, but like... I... But the thing was, when that happened, the Flyers-Penguins rivalry was not what it is today. Yeah, that, okay, that's fair. Yeah, and that was also like the... Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty that was pretty intense at the time. And it got more intense at Yeah, because like... That was 2008. We, we discussed this on our, yeah. our rivalry fuck episode, but... Uh, essentially, the, like the Flyers' rivalry, like it was the Devils' big time in the late '90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. and then there was that weird like Maple Leaf Sabers like yeah, early 2000s affair yeah. that they had. The Rangers were bigger, and th- there was some Penguins hate, but it was not. I mean, they weren't in the same division for a long time, so it really yeah. was not the same. And then once Crosby came into the picture, and the Flyers and Penguins moved into the same division, then it was just all. No holds barred. Oh, yeah. We hate each other's guts. I will say this, thanks to the 2019-20 season. I'm glad we're started, like, starting to finally hate the Islanders. I mean, I've, I've, I've fucking hated the Islanders for a long time because they're a New York team, and I always think of annoying, like, long island assholes, like, talking about the Islanders, and I don't know why that doesn't piss everybody else off, but I'm glad <laughs> that, like, now they have a couple years of it makes no sense why they're getting as far as they do, and then all the people that really want to pound home, like, back-checking and, like, playing the correct way and all this stuff get to scream about the Islanders while they're doing stuff like Brock Nelson's in the top six or like, you know, like <laughs> Nick Letty's hey, piecing Brock together Nelson, second pairing. Like it's a weird Brock Nelson uh, destroyed the Flyers this Brock past off season. So I can't talk, I mean like everybody. Like he sounds like a fake person. Brock Nelson is Absolutely. not a real person's not real. name. Yeah. But he killed the Flyers, so I can't dunk on him for a full calendar year. Oh I, I mean okay, that's fine. 
But uh, I'm not giving it a full calendar year. I'm du- yeah. I'm dunking on Brock Nelson as soon as I get the chance. But uh, he gets a couple months of dunk free time from me. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Right, that's, that's yeah, that's fair. But I just I just want to get that rivalry going again. And also, like we'll talk about them. They well, our like, fathers all hated the Islanders because yeah, of the, of the 1980 Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah Leon Stickle offsides bullshit, yeah. and. Our fathers hated the Islanders, but the Islanders have been completely irrelevant. They've been really legit for us. Yeah, I mean, we got Alexi Ashen steal. We got the laugh at Ricky Pietro forever. Did I ever tell you? I mean, we can thank we can thank the greatest the greatest hockey mind of our time, Mike Milbury, for really screwing that team up for a long time. So, uh, you know, <laughs> great job, Mike. You really are the did best. I? You're simply the best. Bam, and bam, bam. well, I wanted to say, did you know? Thinking of Rick DiPietro's career, did you? Apparently, we've all we've all been saying his name wrong forever. It is supposed to be DiPietro. That I, but I don't know. I'm if, sorry. Well, I don't know if Ugh. I ever told you the story. There was a DiPietro. There was some wedding That's I was in right. three years ago, and the guy ended up being cousins with Rick DiPietro. And I remember they're going through like the rehearsal thing, and the uh, the person I was calling out the names to like tell him where to stand. It was like DiPietro. And he's like, it's actually DiPietro. And I was like, oh, do you know there was a goalie in the because I'm a weirdo? And I started talking about hockey. And then he was like, oh yeah, that's um, that's my cousin. I was like, no, it's not. And then he like started rattling off all this stuff, and I was like, oh shit, it's actually your cousin. And then he was like, yeah, everybody's been saying his name wrong this whole entire time. So apparently, <laughs> it's Rick DiPietro. But just like think about Rick DiPietro's NHL career, and then like also to add on to the fact that nobody's saying his name right. Like that guy was just. I think I was just doomed from oh, the start. Man. Like, he's just, that guy has just had, like, the unluckiest NHL experience I think I've ever, <laughs> like, just made a glass. Everybody makes fun of him for that contract. And then, like, the whole time, they're just, like, calling him, like, a shitty nickname instead of his actual oh my name. Yeah, that's terrible. It's like if Grossman never discovered his second name. Yeah, but Grossman deserved it because he fucking sucked. And, like, I. I know, but that was yeah. the only other name situation I could think of. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty, that was a pretty funny one, though. Like, he just came and he was like, actually, uh, there's another that was uh, Nicholas. If you guys Grossman. could spare an extra letter for the sweater. <laughs> Nicholas Grossman, not very good, but at least uh, let's, at least we're getting to think about him. At least we're talking about him right now, and uh, you know, just another great flyer to go down in Flyers history. But uh, hopefully, hey, we're all about that gross mania on this show. Gross mania, brother. Also, going back to uh, I was uh, we were talking about Dave Brown last week, right? I don't know, but he was at that one Flyers faithful uh, bar trivia night. And all I remember is that was back in 2012. So me and my buddy made our team name uh, Fifty Shades of Grossman, and then that's what we used that <laughs> night. So that was so just imagine Nick Grossman having all the sex. All right, so Scout Wheeler's prospect rankings. Uh, I wanted to talk about these real quick because I thought some of them were pretty uh, interesting. Or I just wanted to point and uh, be annoying about the Flyers for a second. So he did a top 50 prospects post the 2020 NHL draft, and again, he usually leans towards the guys that were just recently drafted and i feel like that's the way it usually happens with prospect rankings because it's stuff where they haven't done anything they haven't done anything past uh being drafted yet they really kind of make you wonder if they're going to make it to the league so usually the fresher prospects kind of get more of the benefit of the doubt and uh looking at uh, wheeler's rankings uh the first seven of the 50 players were from the 2020 draft and dylan cousins was the highest ranked player from 2019 earlier he was uh eighth overall so the Flyers uh, had the second most amount of prospects out of the 50. So Ottawa led the way with five, and the Flyers and Kings were second with four. Uh, and the four were Cam York came in at 33, Morgan Frost was 35, 
Igor Zamula was 36, and Bobby Brink was 40th. Um, and then for the Bobby Brink, yeah, and then for the rest of the list, uh, Lafreniere was one, uh, Quentin Byfield was two, and then Marco Rossi, who went ninth overall in this uh, draft, was third. So uh, there you go, quickly. Um, so when you look at the Flyers' prospects. Again, nobody really, really high up. Nobody that is supposed to be knocking at the door who is going to be the next guy that's going to be in the top six and, you know, bury all these goals. But you have four guys on this list that I would almost say with certainty they're going to have some kind of impact at the NHL level. I feel like Cam York and Morgan Frost feel like locks to be in the NHL for an extended period of time. Iwer Zamula, again, is working his way up there and should be I mean, I'm we might be, we might like, see some of Zamola this year, honestly. I mean, uh, especially if they go into the season. Been talking with about Zamola yeah. for I've a been, minute now. I like, I've liked him for. A minute. I've, I've been dismissing it, but now I'm really starting to get. There, yeah. You know, he. I. That's the big Z I want to see this year. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, don't sign that big Z. Bring up the big Z we got in house, but yeah, Zamola was. I remember because the twenty like. Uh, yeah, the 2018 draft, I remember seeing his name. He was pretty high up in the draft, like the central scouting rankings. And then he was invited to Flyers camp. And I was like, all right, this is my guy. And then he started killing it. And uh, and now here we are. He is a legit blue liner that, you know, again, Hextall had a lot of flaws. But that fucker could find some random-ass talent. Like Phil Myers and Igor Zamula were two guys that everybody else just kind of overlooked. And they look like they're going to be pretty decent like players in the NHL. So that's pretty good. And, and again, Bobby ranks another guy with the skating that there's a little bit of concern, but these are all guys that like, again, they should be in the NHL pretty soon. And I just wanted to point them out because of, uh, you know, the prospect rankings. So I thought I kind of, a lot of prospect talk this episode from the draft and, uh, Forrester signing and all that stuff. So I thought I'd bring up those rankings. And then Wheeler also did, uh, rank the top 10 goalies, uh, goalie prospects post 2020 NHL draft. No flyers are on here. I wanted to bring this up because uh, Yaroslav Askarov, uh, who went 11th overall this year, was is now the top uh, ranked goalie by him uh, for goalie prospects. And uh, Ilyas Rokin was second. Uh, Ilyas Rokin is 25 year old who had a 9.35 save percentage and 1.35 GAA in 40 KHL games where they they're not allowed to play defense uh, for CSK Moscow last year and uh, he'll be playing for Bridgeport in 2021. Only mention him because again, Islanders got that second round pick because of the Flyers trading away AMAC. So the deal to the Islanders was AMAC for Matt Mangine. You guys all know Matt Mangine. Uh, yeah. uh, 2014 uh, third for Sorokin. Not a when you wear jeans, wear man jeans. That's right, exactly. Don't 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 pussyfoot around it. Get it get the job done. Uh, by the way, 2014 third for Sorokin. That, that was uh, not a second. And then a 2015 second, which of course became Brandon Carlo. So that trade is just. I mean, it was a good time. It was a great time. And then also seventh out of the ten goalies was a uh, Caden Primo, who yeah is a uh, is Keith's kid, uh, and also at the 2017 draft Montreal. Uh, the Flyers gave Montreal a 2017 seventh, which they used to draft Caden Primo, uh, for a 2018 seventh, which I'm pretty sure they traded away. Again, very innocent trade, but be very Flyers for another team to pick a Flyers kid, and then he somehow sneaks to the NHL and becomes a monster. So I just wanted to point that out. He had a 931 well, save percentage in two games with Montreal, 908 save percentage in 33 HL games with a Lava Rocket in 2019-20. What could you even say? Well, that said, he yeah, what's well, going on? He's probably blocked for the next 25 years behind 
that Carey Price contract. Yeah, and again, and also the Jake Allen extension. I really like Mark Bergevin. <laughs> Jake Allen extension. Like Mark Bergevin. Jesus Christ. He's Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that guy is. They, they are having the weirdest offseason. That guy, he is, I feel like he is just, I don't know, he's like hopped up on Adderall or something. Like he goes nuts like every offseason. And it really doesn't, it's not like the Canadians are a completely different team every year. He's just like, you know what? I love signing contracts. I love moving bodies. We'll figure it out. And we'll break even every single fucking time. I think they'll be a little bit better next year. Like I think it'll be decent. But like still some of the stuff was like the Jake Allen extension. signings. Yeah. But that Jake Allen extension's weird. Before the, the Josh Anderson extension. trade and extension is weird as shit. And then they got Tyler Toffoli. I like the Toffoli signing. Yeah, like Toffoli signing's good. Is they have guys like the as we saw the Canadians are like maybe the best volume shooting team in the NHL. The problem is they can't score, and a lot of their shots really aren't quality shots. But a guy like Tyler Toffoli should help solve that. And Josh Anderson, in theory. Should be going to the net and picking home all these shots to get to the net. So, like again, those are not the worst, not the worst transactions ever. The Anderson deal though is alarming. I don't really know. I'm not. I don't know. How oh, I feel it's about it's that bonkers. One. Yeah, it is a bonkers deal for a guy who was out most of last year. Yeah. Well, the 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 thing about all this that really cracked me up was the fact that they were saying, well, with this Anderson deal, are they going to still re-sign Brendan Gallagher? Because he's going to be... Uh, yeah, then they signed Allen. <laughs> and then it's like he read that article and said, oh, shit, I should sign Brendan Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like, that was all I saw about, like, after they signed Jake Allen, they're like, can you sign Jake Allen? Gallagher's still not sure what's up. And then, like, exactly, like, 12 hours later, they're like, all right, we got to do this. We got to lock. Lock him. But, lock this motherfucker lock up right up. now. Hashtag lock him up. Hashtag lock her up. Uh, but let's. Uh, I was going to talk oh, no. about. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> there was. Uh, keeping with the athletic, just stealing all our content. Uh, Craig Custis. This is what we do. We just steal yeah, all just, that made content. Just a content farm, and then you Listen, guys. We're both up. subscribers, so uh, you know. Yeah, we paid our dues. We literally paid, paid our literally dues. Literally paid yeah. our dues. Uh, so, uh, but Craig Custis of the Athletic. Uh, had a piece that he put out where it was unfiltered thoughts uh, from NHL executives about free agency and the draft and everything. Uh, and they had a little blurb on every team. So, of course, I cut out and did the Flyers. Um, and this is what one NHL, NHL exec said about the Flyers offseason. Flyers are seen as a bit of a sleeping giant when Matt Niskan is surprised retirement open note cap space, but GM Chuck Fletcher has been patient so far in utilizing it. The most notable signing was defenseman Eric Gustafson, who signed a one-year deal worth $3 million. You guys know that? Quote, he's a power play specialist, said an executive with Gustafson. He is good on the power play. He's a mess in his own end. You can take advantage of him on the ice at even strength, but he has a good shot. He gets it through. One year at $3 million, it's not like he's breaking the bank. I don't think it's a bad thing. They probably value the power play in Philly. That's why they signed him. He can help there. So right off the bat, uh, yeah, we do value the power play in Philly. Uh, they are an NHL team. We would like them to be uh, have a good power play. So that's true. Also, I mean, they did not have a good power play in the postseason. They did not. That was, but yeah, no, I just extremely tough to watch. So he is, I think he is going to come in and at least compete, if not get a a lengthy look on the top power play unit. I feel like that's what's going to happen this year is they might go back to Proveroff to start if it's not clicking and Proveroff. Like it's Proveroff on the top of the power play is just funny because he, I think he, he, yeah, he led all defensemen last year in power play goals. But when he's not scoring goals, like he's kind of hindering the power play. So like I, I really would not be against seeing an extended look at Gustafson 
at some point in time, I feel like they're still going to give the pro rope at first, and if the power play hits a pretty bad spell like they did in the postseason, they're going to throw Gustafson out there. It's driving me nuts, because the Flyers have legitimately, at this point, three guys that would be better suited for the top power play unit, and they still keep using Proveroff. You've got Gustafson, you've got Travis Sanheim, and, oh yeah, you've got, who was an offensive dynamo a couple seasons back, Shane Gostaspair. Hey, I was going to... have options that you can use back there, but they keep going to Proveroff. Real quick, I was going to... He scores goals, but that's... Yeah, It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Uh, let's talk about Shane Gosh real uh, Shane Gosh's bear real quick. He is good on the Gosh power play. Gosh is fair. He's good on the yeah, power yeah, play. Yeah. Uh, he's a mess on his own end. You can take advantage of him at, at uh, even strength. Uh, he's got a good shot and he can get it through. Uh, he's not like he's breaking the bank. I don't think it's a bad thing. I feel like everything you can say about Gustafson, you can just say for Gosh's bear. I don't know. Correct. And uh, again, this is it's almost like they got to shit or get off the pot with them. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is all what we said earlier in the week too about Gustafson. Uh, the power play is going to be his biggest strength. And, again, he's going to be able to chip in offensively. He's going to produce offensively. But I don't, like, the trade-off of offensive production versus defensive, like, breakdowns and how often he's probably going to get scored on while he's out there. I don't I don't like that as much in the top four. And I would think the Flyers don't like it that much either if Shane Goss is going to break into the fucking lineup over the postseason. But... We, again, I, I'm waiting for other shoes to fall here. And again, we, we saw that the Flyers were contacting veteran right-hand defensemen, or at least in the running for some right, uh, veteran right-hand defensemen. So I still think they're looking for one more guy, and it might be... There's, Luke Shen. Oh, dude, bring him in. Uh, cup winner, Luke Shen? Is that who you're talking about? Gotta get some of that shit. Good luck. I'm, I'm talking about the big rig, Luke Shen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Tampa's own big rig, Luke Shen. Uh, well, I'll talk about one for one with JVR Luke Shen. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking of big rigs, uh, Nolan Patrick uh, got into a scrimmage today, according to Twitter. I saw, I couldn't really tell who Ooh, broke this news or who was talking. But apparently, according to Twitter slash Instagram, he did partake in a uh, in another scrimmage today. He's, I think he took part. Yeah, we talked about him taking part in another one last week, two weeks ago. So, again, good news. Good enough to get non contact. Uh, scrimmage, which I mean, it was you know, pickup hockey, so whatever. Uh, but he is out there, and uh, apparently, is you know, uh, the migraines and the headaches aren't causing enough issues to not uh, scrimmage at least. So, hopefully, uh, one of these days, he'll start uh, you know, throwing bodies at one of these great, let's just start taking out local kids and people in their 20s and just start wrecking them with body checks. And hopefully, people catch on Instagram and then we can I'm get pumped it. about Nolan Patrick. That would be. That would be the biggest way if if Nolan Patrick wanted to crush the the quote unquote he's too soft or he's never gonna be healthy enough to play if like just one Instagram like video of him just fucking sending a guy flying into the boards. Just like three feet out from the boards, puts a guy into the glass, and then he just drops. And then like the, I think the Nolan like Patrick just set it to seek and destroy by the <laughs> Yeah, and then so he, just turns, he just turns to the camera seek and he's and like destroy. <laughs> bashes a guy into the boards. I think I'm good for contact, and he just skates away. Yeah, that's uh, Nolan Patrick. Hopefully, uh, again, uh, they had a little a little discussion on. Uh, apparently, there's another Flyers podcast besides us out there, but uh, that other oh, Flyers wow. podcast was talking about Nolan Patrick as the, uh, or who the three C would be. I still, still thinking of Scott Lawton right now. I want to see Nolan Patrick actually. Take I, want some it hits. I want it to be. I want it to be. I want Scott Lawton to be the four C. 
I I also wouldn't mind having it be like uh, one of the kids, like uh, Morgan Frost whoa, action. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But whoa. It's, <laughs> Let's take it easy there. We should trade for. I know, I know. Again. I've been. Yeah. Listen, I I've been wanting this Morgan Frost action for a couple of years now. But yeah, I never again with the new. It's hot, is hot it? Morgan Frost action is what I want. Hot, right hot frosty action. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, fuck it, I'm fine with Morgan Frost being the third seed. I don't. I don't think, think it's, it's gonna, gonna happen. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. I think it. I think I'll be it very is happy Patrick though Dubois. if he's playing in the bottom six this year. I would be too, and I think he's going to get more games, and probably again the whole. I think the room's, well, actually, room's out there for him. The roster space. Speaking of, uh, I was going to say, uh, speaking of what the season's looking like, uh, there might be a lot of wear and tear on guys, and uh, the Flyers might be leaning into their AHL call-ups a bit because they're going to be all at home, not playing a season. But speaking of next year and uh, some things we have learned thanks to uh, one loudmouth uh, NHL owner, uh, we've got some information about the 2020 I mean, You have to be loudmouth to own the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> I do, actually, yeah. But uh, all this is from... So Bill Foley did an interview with um, Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, had an interview with KSHP's Vegas Hockey Hotline, and uh, I got all oh. of these. I got all this info from, from uh, ESPN, and uh, he uh, he kind of let some uh, stuff out the back here. So if he is accurate, this is uh, stuff he's leaking out early, and does make it a little interesting. Yeah, just have a good old night, you know, become Bourbon Bill and just <laughs> go out there and start revealing all the secrets. He like, cracked you know, it let, open. let's just yeah. go nuts. Just for Whiskey Steve. And they just started hammering out a bunch of bourbon. And then he uh, just didn't fucking hold back in this interview. So, uh, so we had been, Lee had talked about aiming for December 1st originally. Then Batman came out and pushed it back to January 1st. Then uh, BF here is saying uh, he doesn't think the 2020-21 NHL season will start until February 1st, uh, which is, of course, Ooh. a whole month after the league start date, which, again, uh, if they're not going to be doing the bubbles and stuff, they're going to have to figure out something, slash uh, they're going to have to talk the players into doing the bubbles, which I, I just don't – he doesn't think is going to happen either. And uh, that's one of the things he said is he believes the bubbles aren't feasible for next season. Quote, I know the commissioner is dedicated to having a season and awarding the Stanley Cup. But we can't play in bubbles. It's impossible. We can't afford it. So thank you, Bill Foley, for laying down the law and letting us uh, get a peek behind the curtain here for what's actually going on. Uh, and he also said that uh, I think the big number that they've been throwing out for number of games next season was 60. Believes the season will be between 48 and 56 games. Says it really depends on when fans can return to the NHL arena. Says NHL status as a gate-driven league means fans need to be back in the building. Uh, quote, the NFL is a such a great TV contract that they can survive. We do not have that kind of contract. The NHL is a game day activity. If you don't have game day revenue, you don't survive. Uh, said Foley, calling the TV revenue the teams received during the 2020 postseason pretty minimal, honestly, and not very good. Woof. Uh, which, again, I think that's what uh, it killed the NBA, too, because uh, I know the NBA didn't have a ton of uh, or high ratings or as high ratings as they usually do. Do ratings, like, I, I see all these talk on ratings, like, I, I, ratings were never accurate to start with, and, like, are they including streams in this? Like, I just feel like oh, I, no ratings idea, are yeah. such a ridiculous, like, way to actually measure who's watching anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. That's a whole other topic. Yeah, that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. Um... Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. But yeah, he thinks it's going to be a shorter season. And I was trying to think about it. So the usual NHL season starts in early October. You got October, November, December, January, February, March. So that's six months pretty much for jamming 82 games into. So you're playing 15 games a month. So if they're going to start February 1st, and then he goes on to say that um, NHL is in a rush to complete the season by the end of June to avoid conflict with the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. So if they're going February, March, April, May, June, that's five months, including the postseason. So you'd have to think there's really only three months of a regular season. So, yeah, you're looking at 48 to 50 games, I think. I'm not shocked by that in any way. I'm not shocked about it just assume that it would be a shortened season. Yeah. And then you can hopefully, and big time, knock on wood for that, get back to normal for the the following season. Yeah. And honestly, this is going to be, what was it, the 2013 season, the 2012-2013 lockout shortened season. They started mid-January. And they ended late June, and that was 48 games. And that was like a regularly – I think they were still rushing in games during that uh, truncated season. So next – Oh, yeah. Next year, it's going to be – I think I saw somewhere, too, about uh, – about like five games in a week, too. So like four games in five days and then another game on top of that. That's um, that's something. I mean, that's that's a hell of a, a stretch you're going to put them in through after – you put them in the bubble too. So, uh, and again, if you're one of those seven teams that really sucked and couldn't even get into the bubble, like you're looking at February 1st, you're, you're going almost a whole calendar year without actual NHL competition. So those seven teams are going to be at a, somehow an even bigger disadvantage, but, uh, I guess you shouldn't have sucked in 2019, 20, you know what I mean? That's uh, I guess that's my advice for them is to go back in time and not, and not suck as much. But uh, the big thing you wanted me to... Good advice. You wanted me to mention this, too. Uh, apparently, the league has been talking about an all-Canadian division. So this is from the article. As for what next season could look like, fully added fuel to speculation that there could be realignment of sorts in the NHL. Sources have told ESPN that the league is considering, among many other options, an all-Canadian division of teams if the border remains closed. Fully mentioned the probability of an all-Canadian team division as long as the U.S.-Canada border remains closed. I don't think that the border is going to be open before January 1st. I really don't. Canada has spikes going on. They're starting to lock down again. I don't think they're going to be crossing the border, uh, Foley said. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's always fun to think about is the not even going to be able to go into Canada 
uh, in a couple months because of everything going on. But uh, yeah, I guess Good. that will come into play here. Close that border. I yeah, don't want to see any more of that right. Tim Horton. That's the wall. No I that maple yeah. syrup. I love that's, all this uh, stuff. Yeah. I can't. honestly i feel like we've you know canadian division has been discussed before so i honestly it's not the best decision logistics wise for some of the clubs but at the same time like it might be what we have to do and i was i was actually breaking this down a little bit the other day i was breaking this down and you could actually pretty much just keep the divisions as is and just remove the canadian teams and it's mostly pretty okay uh yeah I guess I could yeah I guess I could see that the I'm like the Flyers don't have any Canadian teams in their division right now yeah well that's the that's where it's like yeah kind of a pain in the ass the Flyers still have the biggest yeah. division yeah yeah that would sound about right yeah I mean you could temporarily move around like just, just throw Columbus back into the Western Conference <laughs> small big time and then move Carolina to the Atlantic <laughs> yeah fuck it that's fine yeah they could, we can do that. Uh, let's okay here's my plan you just make the southeast division again where it was washington oh, tampa yeah. bay yeah bring back the thrashers right now too yeah bring tampa back the bay, thrashers. caps thrashers hurricanes panthers which right now like now if the southeast division actually works and it was throw the jets in there that's not a half bad division these that division used to be a fucking joke that division was the nfc that... east of like yeah oh yeah uh, my nightmare is that Boston comes back into the Flyers division in some oh, way, or comes into the Flyers division in some way. It's just what a pain in the ass if we end up with like Pittsburgh, Boston, Washington. Just oh my like, god, yeah, that would be the fucking worst. Not, and still not... the Islanders, because just can't ever avoid the Islanders. Nope. Yeah, they're always they're always there. Big old pains in the ass. Listen, uh, just put the Flyers into the Southeast and keep the Penguins yeah. and Bruins together, and they can beat the shit out of each other. Who are you taking in a Canadian division? Out of all uh, seven teams, who are you thinking? I really, I really don't know. I'm taking either. I want to say Maple Leafs. Like Maple it's not Ottawa. My first thought, but it it could be Edmonton and it could be Vancouver. Edmonton. It could be uh, Winnipeg too. I mean, like, but see, like all these teams have, like the Maple. Well, the Maple Leafs have better defense now, but they're still kind of you know they don't really show Edmonton's up. Edmonton's got the. Edmonton's got the two best players of any of the teams. But see, the thing is, is like that's that's all though. Like they don't have they right, don't have right. anything else. So like I'm kind of Winnipeg is Connor Hellebuck, and we'll talk about him in a second. Vancouver's um, had a def- decent offseason. Yeah, I was gonna say it, would, it might they, be. They, yeah. They're the dark horse here. It'll be. I'm, I'm, I think it'll be between the Maple Leafs, Canadians, uh, Canucks, and Flames, and uh, I, I guess it would and be I, the Maple Leafs. I mean, I could Town put the Jets up the there Maple still Leafs. too. I mean. Yeah, the Jets, the Jets I guess didn't the Jets. do anything on defense, but I do like the Stasny trade. Stasny trade is pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's what I wonder. Like, see, I wonder if Chuck Fletcher's still waiting for. But see, that already passed. Like, I wonder if he's waiting for the big free agent names to kind of fuck everything else up. But Hall and Petrangelo are already signed. Like, he needed to swoop in and get right. Shit. But Ve- Vegas still has to. Vegas still has to clear some space, and Tampa mm. Bay still has to clear some space. So oh, yeah, maybe you right. could take advantage of something in the works between yeah and there's a lot of not not necessarily directly from those clothes but maybe like a crazy like four-way deal or something there's a lot of pieces from vegas and tampa i would take anywhere on the flyers (laughs) yeah and tampa is in an especially bad position with that oh oh yeah 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 i don't know i was reading up on it and like tampa really has to clear some shit out because they they tried to just sneak tyler johnson on not sneak they were just like tyler johnson is on waivers and everybody said 
No. Yeah. Well, good. This is what this is what the rest of the league needs to start doing with these teams because they always fucking bail out the Penguins and everybody always bails out the other teams that like always continuously make big. Yeah. Uh, always make. These... It was just the Coyotes and the Kings. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like teams, like there are times where like uh, the Lightning are good. They just won the Stanley Cup. They're now in cap trouble. Don't fucking help them out. Don't like take. No any of these contracts force their hand a lot and fuck them up like they're doing they're kind of doing with the vegas golden knights a little i mean because he came with the petrangelo signing but it led to but at the same time not like really they, getting the best outcomes with stastny or schmidt they trade yeah they traded away two really good key pieces yeah, yeah. of that team and, and like petrangelo is awesome don't get me wrong like it's it's almost worth it for that but you have a better team if you have those guys yeah. and petrangelo i the thing I'm thinking with the uh, Golden Knights is you either have Theodore and Petrangelo on the same pair, or you have them on different pairs in the top six, which is or top four, which is um that that's worth the losses of Schmidt and um and Stasny. like that. I mean, it is a it's obviously net positive, but yeah, losing those two players, it's not nothing. I mean, Stasny's a pretty good player in terms of like driving play, so that's kind of Vegas's bread and butter. So it's not uh it's not it's not for nothing those two trades. Um. But speaking of the offseason so far, Steve, I thought we could talk about some of the other teams in division. Because as we've talked about tonight and earlier in the week, uh, Flyers haven't done jack shit. They signed Eric Gustafson, uh, and they talked about a couple of losses that we've gotten with like uh, Tyler Pitlick and Derek Grant and uh, my favorite player, Nate Thompson, on the move. So I thought we could take a look at what the other teams in the division have done and who they've lost and kind of look at. Uh, their lineups uh, as of right now, according to Daily Faceoff. So please don't get mad at me if these uh, these aren't to your liking. So uh, starting with the Penguins, we're not going to see the NHL for like half a year at this point. So yeah, so may as well have a couple. Uh, yeah, so uh, but starting with the Penguins, and of course I didn't put these in any order. I just uh, got all seven teams. So the Penguins signed Mark Jankowski, uh, Evan Rodriguez, Anthony Angelo, and re-signed Sam Lafferty. Anthony Angelo was also there. Uh, with the it's a real All Star team. Yeah, but a really good a bunch of good names. I don't know what Jan- Mark Jankowski does for you, but he's uh, somehow the best player there. Uh, and they also signed Maxim Lagasse, uh, Frederick Gaudreau, and Josh Curry. None of those people are important, but they signed them. Uh, this also comes after earlier in the offseason. They signed added uh, Kasperi Kapanen, Colton Sevier, and Michael Matheson. Um, they did lose Jack Johnson, unfortunately for us, uh, but they did also lose Matt Murray. Patrick Marlowe, uh, Dominic Simone, and uh, Justin Schultz. By the way, I forgot to look up Patrick Marlowe, and I did not know this like before this week. Did you know he has a, he's going to pass Howe's game played record like this year if he plays the whole season? I got to look it up right really? now. Really? Because I know it's it sounds insane, and I hope I'm not the only one. It does sound fucking, insane. Uh, yeah, I'm going to look it up right now on NHL.com. Yeah, this postseason. But I saw somebody say that, and I was like, well, that is absolutely wrong. And then it turns <laughs> out, like, he's right fucking there. How? Um, Patrick Marlowe has 1,723 games played. Gordy Howe is, he's fifth. Gordy Howe is first with 1,767 games played. So Marlowe needs to play uh, 45 games this year, which, I mean, in this upcoming season, that's not a slam dunk. Uh, but Gotta play yeah, 45 games to move from fifth on the all time games list to first. Gordy House first. Uh, Mark Messier second with 11 less games played at 1756. Yarmir Auger third, 1733. And then Ron Francis 17, 
31. Um, so Man, and just think how much like Yager would have smashed that if he hadn't played if, in the KHL for oh years. Oh my god, if he didn't go to the KHL, yeah, he probably would have. He'd have an untouchable record. I think he'd be over 2,000, if I'm not mistaken. That might be about that might be around the number he needed. So, guy was a fucking animal. That guy was a tank that just now would. Or just still is a die. tank. Yeah, still is a tank. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's mopping up somewhere right now. So yeah, I yeah I, I mean Marlo he's been around a while, but it doesn't feel like that long that he should be getting these kind of records. But I, at the, same the time, thing he, is, it I mean, has been so. Yeah, the thing is, it's just the Sharks have sucked. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. He's been <laughs> he's been playing since. I, well, the, th- the Sharks didn't even. They've only been sucky the last couple years, but they were just like they were always this team that was pretty good. Yeah. And a few years they were, you know, cup contenders, but didn't do shit with it. Yeah, and they yeah, no. they just always would run into the they would run into problems with the it, Kings and the Blackhawks. Yeah, from they they were one of those about teams a decade ago. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they uh they were like the truncated version of like whenever the Flyers reach the cup, they always play a fucking juggernaut or any Philly team like Philly team usually. But Andy like, Reid Eagles, Andy Reid Eagles. I mean, yeah, twenty ten Flyers, ninety seven Flyers. Uh, Sixers in 2001. <laughs> the oh, Phillies yeah. in 2000. Well, the Phillies in 2009 wasn't really a dynasty. It was just a fucking Yankees. So. That was but just yeah. a that was a brawl. But, like, the Phillies in 93, they were uh, playing the back-to-back Blue Jays teams. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, like, that team was special, except they ran into that fucking Blue Jays team. So, that, but that's kind of like Marlowe's career with the Sharks. Is they just kept, and then they did, and then they had the collapse in 2014 against those Kings team. And, like, they... Fell apart against the fucking Penguins in the 2016 Cup. He's been like so. Thornton's not, and Thornton signed uh, somewhere else. We'll talk about that in a second. Actually, I, he signed with HC Davos in the NLA, Switzerland's top league. So Joe Thornton not coming back to the NHL. He's gonna go over and no play in beard, Switzerland for a bit. No beard, got that bleach blonde hair. To yeah, enjoy he life. might be. Uh, he might be coming back to the NHL if they actually do pick up play. That might just be he's over there until the league gets there. Uh, their uh, schedule figured out, but uh, the man loves hockey. Man does love hockey. Yeah, I want to say I think Marlowe was, was like late nineties. I feel like he's been around forever. I can't remember watching hockey and he hasn't like been at least like mentioned. I don't know. It's I been, think the thing about Marlowe is he's such a like solid player, but not a spectacular player. Right. Like even exactly. Thornton is more spectacular than Marlowe. Where yeah, Thornton does go and, and Thornton's not a. Sp- He's not a spectacular player by any means, but compared to Marlowe, he is like Marlowe's just like I don't know. He's the butter on your table, right? Like he's always there. You don't always need him. <laughs> he's not always the greatest thing, but he's he's there. Yeah, he's definitely there. He's definitely been there the last couple years. Ever since he went to Toronto, he's just kind of been a guy. Salt shaker Patrick Marlowe. That's what they yeah they don't call him salt shaker uh, Patrick Marlowe for nothing, uh, and because they don't call him that. But they, uh, so all those guys and Justin Schultz, I don't know if I squeeze that in there either, but Justin Schultz who signed with the Caps, and we'll talk about him in a second. But, uh, Simone, I felt was a better player than, uh, like I thought he's at least decent, but only had 22 points in 64 games last year and didn't play in the postseason. Pens also lost Graham Knott and Riley Barber, who were prospects that never really came to, came to fruition in their, their, uh, prospect pool. So these are the lines and pairs that, Daily faceoff has for the Penguins going the next season. Jake Gensel, Crosby, Kasperi Kapanen on the top line. Ethan Zucker, Kenny Malkin, Brian Russ on the second. Jared McCann, Mark Jankowski, Evan Rodriguez, the third line, which as a third line, 
Yikes. Uh, and then the fourth line of Brandon Tannehill, Teddy Bluger, Sam Lafferty. I like La- Lafferty's fine, but he's just not like – I'm not losing sleep over Lafferty. Uh, top pair, Brian Dumoulin, Chris Letang, Marcus Patterson, John Moreno, and then Michael Matheson, Chad Ruedel. So, like, uh, yeah, they are – I don't know. They're not really – That sure is a hockey team. Yeah, I mean, the, again, the top line is uh, pretty good. I don't know if Kapanen is a top line – talent but he'll fucking produce who's playing next to Crosby and I, I like Kaepernick I think he's more of like I feel like the second line is probably applicable for him but then Jason Zucker is pretty good the second line could like the top six is going to be good bottom six not as much I like the bottom six they're, they're going to have two lines so again I feel like they're going to run the same problems as this year where if you figure out a way to shut down their top six it's going to be curtains and uh, again that third pair it's going to be hilarious to watch so uh, Penguins keeping it real uh, uh, Rangers Rangers they're yeah, they're definitely doing stuff. Uh, Jack Johnson, baby, the gift that keeps on giving. I don't know what I don't know what anybody sees in them, but I'm glad that every other GM in this division gets a semi for him. Like I love that they just <laughs> want to go out and sign him for some fucking reason, and I'm hoping that you know. I'm just keeps glad going it wasn't Chucky two trades. I'm glad it wasn't either, and I'm kind of. I mean, you know, they, we should be in the clear now. I don't. Th- I don't think Jack Johnson has a lot of tray left on those tires. Like this might be it for him, uh, and thank God he's going out like this. One year, one point five million deal deal for the Rangers. Um, he was on the going to be on the Penguins books for six more years, making at least nine hundred and sixteen k through twenty twenty five twenty six. Which just it's one. I mean, it's just a great thing. I just I can't believe that we're lucky enough to live on this timeline. Uh, Rangers projected defense right now, uh, and they also did sign Anthony D'Angelo. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, projected defense: Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox, uh, Brendan Smith, Jacob Truba. Jack Johnson, Tony D'Angelo. Holy S. That's not, that's not stopping anybody. That defense is not going to do a damn thing. Adam <laughs> D'Angelo. Like, it might as well be an be open a door. circus out there. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. It might as well roll out the red carpet to the crease. Like, Ryan Lindgren is bad. Adam Fox is good. If they had anybody that was half as good as Adam Fox defensively or all around, they might. I, could, I would stop saying they don't have a defense. Ryan, Ryan Lindgren on the top pair is is a decision brennan smith is like he's his underlying numbers used to be okay not really now jacob truba if he looks like the dude they had last year i hope he's playing top four minutes and then i don't know how you came to the conclusion that tony angelo's defensive partner that's going to help him play defense is jack johnson but giddy up i mean i, w- I want to see this all happen i like i and again tony d'angelo is a monster when it comes to producing offense and horrible political things, but like he cannot play fucking defense to save his life. Like, I, don't I mean, the thing about signing Jack Johnson that's crazy to me in division is you're in division. You you see him, this guy. You see him all the time, and you know he's terrible. Like I don't understand. It's the again, and I'm gonna say this because there's a lot of love for Robert Hag out there, but it's a problem with just going off eye test. Is you're gonna see Jack Johnson make one or two good plays. And then if you if you're tired of hearing like everybody dunk on him, each time he goes out there, you're gonna ignore all the noise until he makes one or two seldomly good plays, and you're gonna be like, "See, people aren't talking about that though." And you're gonna overlook like the the failed gap control, uh, just giving up ice until like the middle of the slot, or not winning puck battles. You're gonna ignore everything else because you're looking for the the few good things that he does, so then it can tweet out in a really antagonistic way, like, oh, he's actually pretty good, you know? So that's that's usually what happens with a guy like this. That's my stance on Jack Johnson. And now they're shady. Well, actually. People. Yeah, they, exactly. It's just people that want to sound smart. They're like, well, actually, Jack Johnson 
did block the puck three games ago. It's like, he did. He's also been on the ice for a lot of goals against. So, uh, you know, make a choice. Uh, yeah, and again, the, the new uh, Rangers forwards really aren't that scary. Uh, Zibanejad, Mika Zibanejad, uh, Panarin, Chris Kreider are all really good. Um, and Kako and uh, Kevo Kako and um, Lafreniere are going to be monsters pretty soon. But they, they're not the strongest down the middle. Um, they have Zibanejad on the top line. Uh, Ryan Strom is still their second line center. Philip Kittel third. Brett Howden the fourth uh, on the fourth line. Um, and Lafreniere is projected to be on the third line right now, according to the Daily Faceoff. But uh, the rest of their bottom six really doesn't really doesn't do much for me. Heedle's fine. Uh, Julian Gauthier, Philip DiGiuseppe, Brett Howden, and Brendan Lemieux. Like their fourth line is is pretty bad. And Julian Julian Gauthier is a guy who was struggling to get minutes with Carolina last year, and now he's projected to be in the Rangers' top nine. So you're looking at a team that doesn't have defense. Some dynamic talent up front and then you're relying on Shesterkin and uh you have to kind of uh kind of carry the load back there on the on the back end and Lafreniere signed his ELC of course three years 925k a year and then Yorgiev signed a, an extension for two years and he's making 2.425 million a year he had a record of 17-14-2 last year with a 9-10 save percentage 3.04 GAA and two shutouts um Rangers also signed Colin Blackwell, Kevin Rooney, Keith McCade, Anthony Potato. Anthony Potato is another guy, too, if he actually cracks his way into the lineup. Like, he's... Sure. Uh, and they also signed Anthony Greco, Brandon Crawley, and Johnny Brodzinski, Johnny Brodzinski who is Bryce's uh, brother, of course, the Flyers draft pick in uh, 2019. They lost the well-hung, beautiful man himself, Henrik Lundqvist, who is now going to the Caps. Uh, he'll be Sam Sonos back up. <laughs> Uh, and they lost Jesper Fast, who uh, he, he went to the Hurricanes. And if anybody's going to the Hurricanes, you know, uh, Dr. Dr. Eric Tolsky has already figured out if their underlying numbers are good. So he's a possession monster. At least that's the way it's looked like the last couple seasons. And Elias Anderson, uh, really promising uh, seventh overall pick in 2017, has been traded to the Kings. And they also lost Greg McKay, but who cares? Um, so the Rangers, yeah. yeah it's I mean, a great name. Wonderful name. Uh, also, the tweet that sticks with me about Greg McKegg that I will finally get to say on this podcast is, when Greg McKegg's mom is mad at him, does she say Gregory McKeggery? Or does it, is it still just Gregory McKegg? Because I, I feel like it would be tempted to say both. That would be my... I don't even know who tweeted it out, but uh, shout out to them on uh, Fly Fair Play. <laughs> I so. mean, sadly for Greg McKegg at this point, though, his name now reminds me more of Greg the Egg from Succession. <laughs> necessarily the yeah. frat boy name that greg mckeg might uh might imply yeah we gotta find out like we gotta find out greg mckeg's uh pr is in uh in butt heavy smashed it's gotta be with a name like that and you're a hockey player minimum 45 like there's gotta be some kind of lawrence taylor record like type of like you're just you're, you're getting the 30s or 40s that would be my that would be my guess for uh for how many but uh, let's talk about if the if we think the team's got better or worse so i think the penguins got worse even though they got yeah. rid of Jack Johnson, I I don't know. Like the rest of that, although they didn't really lose, uh, they didn't really lose too many big names. But also, Colton. Caesar I mean, I isn't thought that, the line. that I just realized that. But I thought that Kapanen trade wasn't a very good trade for them. I, I like they yeah, a lot I like Kapanen, a pretty good like, player. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Is like he's pretty good. He ain't a fucking first round pick worth. Like for, like this year's first at least too. It wasn't even like they got a chance to kind of, you know get it back or anything it's just... i mean the problem with the penguins is that they're still 
relying on Crosby and Malkin and nothing else. And yeah, that's those the, guys are getting older every year. I mean, it tell, sounds stupid to say week? up front, yeah. but they are getting older every year. And that's a problem because you can't, they need to find somebody to, to replace these guys at some point to be the next big star. And unless they're planning to just tank and hope to hit the lottery, they're not going to get that, especially trading away first round picks. Yeah, no, they, and that's what it feels like. It feels like they are, they know the windows is closing for Crosby and Malkin and Rutherford is trying to make moves to kind of get more talent in here, but it isn't what he's doing. So they're just burning like future assets and, and prospects and things like that to make their team the same maybe slightly better in some aspects, but then taking away strengths. Like they, like, I feel like all these moves he's made are just ensuring that once Crosby and Malkin are done, Penguins are going to go back to sucking ass and they're not going to have any hope of like somebody bailing them out in terms of like a prospect or anything. Cause they're going to be, it's going to be some tough sled in there whenever they're, they, they uh, put it up there. Uh, and what, what do you think about the Rangers? I feel like the Rangers are like, I, they have they're young in the talent. opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> They've got the young talent, but it's all pretty raw at this point. Yeah, and they got Breadman Panarin, who's freaking awesome. But I mean, Capo Caco is not ready to be the supporting role that I think the Rangers expected him to be last year. Yeah, and they're probably going to put a lot of that pressure on Lafreniere this year. And who knows if he'll be ready? He he could come out like a McDavid, or he could come out and like a Caco. I think, which is. Sounds like a slam, but it's not. <laughs> but uh, he, like, I I think the Rangers, in a, again, in a few years, are going to be a real fucking big problem. But, like, right now, they just, they have defensive help coming up, and uh, they have some good defensive prospects coming up. Uh, and you have time to figure out some centers behind Zabinijad. So, again, like, they're going to be able to figure out the, the center position and add some talent on the blue line that actually plays defense. In the time where Lafreniere and Cavalcaco and Panarin is a vintage are all still really good. So there'll be an issue in a couple of years and Shisterkin is going to help them get like, he's going to, he's going to make them better than they are this year too. And he'll be a pain in the ass, but they, they'll be a real, like they could be a real annoying in a couple of years, but they're not, I don't think they're quite there yet. Um, yeah. That's my stance on the, the Rangers. Uh, you ready to talk about the other New York team? We should hate let's, uh, as, yeah, as let's, much. Let's blow through the rest of this division. Yeah, let's go real quick. Uh, Islanders only re-signed Sebastian Ajo, and I they added Corey Snyder. I don't, I'm not seeing any that confirmation. That was of this. such a no. I saw that. I saw that. I, no, no, but I LeBron tweeted it. It's not on the website, and there's no other place that actually confirmed it. Like Cat Friendly doesn't have it. Elite Prospects doesn't have it. LeBron yeah. tweeted out they're finalizing the contract, and then I cannot find any. Like, there's no Corey Snyder on the Islanders. Like anywhere you look right now. Or at least when you looked at around two p.m. today, yesterday, <laughs> there I could not find anything about him. Nobody wanted to post his picture because he was so terrifying on the NHL hey. post game TV coverage. Oh, okay. I was gonna, I was gonna say, let's, uh, let's, let's not say he's terrifying when he's a redhead. Let's, let's back off that a little bit. He's terrifying. He's a Absolutely beautiful, terrifying. gorgeous man. Yeah. Uh. So, but he had a eight eighty seven save percentage in thirteen NHL games last year. So yeah, let's put him, let's put him in there. Yeah, let's do it. They also added AJ Greer and Austin Zarnick. Who cares? They lost Devon Taves, which I thought was a it's not a it's not like a death blow, but they kind of lost Taves for nothing. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was a weird trade, and I mean, good on the Colorado Avalanche for the picking up that. The Avs are going nuts. Like they, uh, Joe Sackick is just fucking taking kids to task right now. I'm putting a few 
few dollary dues on the uh, the. Well, a few green ones. A few green ones. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Feeling pretty good about that team going into next season. I, I don't know. They added. So they added Sod. They added Taves. They re they they kept Graves and Burakovsky, and they did like everything without burning any prospects or like first round picks. So just and they still have a good amount of cap space. Yeah. So what the hell, man? I don't know. That's that's pretty good stuff out there. But uh, so and I think they traded Taves because they couldn't move uh, Johnny Boychuk, who's thirty six with two more years at six mil cap hit, or Nick Letty, who's twenty nine with two more years at five million a year. Um, and the Islanders okay, now they're, they're bringing. They're bringing Andy Green back down from the wall. To... Oh, let's do it. <laughs> That's right. Now, I think Andy Green at uh, 57 years old, he finally said, you know what? I heard I, I heard they were talking about bringing him back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that. well, if they do, I mean, uh, they, they should. Because uh, their defense right now is still Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock on the top pair. Nick Letty. Scott Mayfield jumping up from the third to the second pair. And then your third pair will be uh, Boychuk and Noah Dobson, who should be See, I think Dobson would be the only reason why I don't know if, if uh, Green would come back. But I think if Green comes back, he probably takes – I mean, it's probably – they probably drop Boychuk out again. I think Boychuk might be looking at – I don't know. He might be getting bought out kind of soon. But it could be Pellick, Pulak, Letty Green, uh, and then you do um, uh, Mayfield-Dobson on the third pair. And then really the loss of Taze isn't that bad. But uh, still, I thought – I didn't think he was bad. Uh, I will say, moving on to the next team. By the way, it's a, I mean the Islanders don't really change much, so they kind of feel like the they same don't team. have much cap space to do shit. Really, it's like yeah, and also they lost uh, Thomas Christ too. Two years, three point six million a year to play with Detroit. So have uh, have fun, Thomas. Uh, and then R.I.P.D. Greasy Tom. Yeah, the Devils. I don't. Here's the thing about the Devils. I don't know if they got better. I I kind of like the moves they're making though, which is a new thing for me to say in recent years because I feel like the last couple of years everybody's been like oh here come the devils and then they have like two guys that like actually know how to play hockey um, but I like Andreas Janssen uh, they added him one for one for Joey Anderson who was a 2016 third round pick played uh, 18 games for the devils last year 34 points and 44 games for Binghamton the uh, devils uh, AHL team and he uh, Janssen is on the Books for three more years at three point four million a year. I'm pretty sure that's the reason why, or what kind of push the Leafs to make the trade is so they can get some kind of cap space, some kind of cap relief. But I like Andreas Janssen. We talked about bringing him in as a, a possible like, or I did middle six, bottom six guy with speed that can chip in offensively. And uh, I knew the the Leafs need to shed some case salary, so I I like that move. Ryan Murray is an interesting one, but I. If I'm a team like the Devils looking at their defense, I think I would take a gamble on that for a 2021 fifth. Uh, he's got one more year at 4.6 million. Yeah, why not? You're the Devils. I mean, it's nothing like anything's I, going right. The, the thing about where the Devils are at right now is they're not expected to compete this year. So they can kind of just make Which is good. moves. They can gamble a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But they, they can gamble on moves like this. And if it works out and they can sign the guy to extension, cool. But if not, whatever. They're the goddamn Devils. Yeah. And like I think of... Uh, like a move like this, I, I don't know if I would have pitched for. I don't know if he was looking for uh, a backup deal, but Corey Crawford was a guy that we, we talked about. The Rangers don't play defense, and the Blackhawks don't play defense. And again, he he was with the Blackhawks all last year. He had a nine seventeen save percentage and a record of sixteen twenty and three last year with the Blackhawks and a shutout. And if you watch the postseason, you saw a lot of what the Blackhawks do in the defensive zone, and it's hilarious. So if the Devils can play any kind of defense. I, I'm not saying Crawford's going to go nuts, but like a Crawford-Mackenzie Blackwood 
fandom really wouldn't be the end of the world for them. I don't think it's going to do anything for them. I think it's going to like make them be a little bit better than they are. I don't think it's like they're going to ride their coattails to a postseason like run, but it's better than what they've had recently. If he's if Crawford is fully healthy and the transition from high volume like nights kind of you know if he's fine with a lighter workload, I think they'll be they'll be pretty good. Oh yeah, here's the stat I was going to talk about. At five on five last season, Crawford faced the fifth most high danger shots at five on five. With 330 in 40 games. Uh, for comparison, Hart played about 18 minutes less at 505 and only saw 230 high danger shots. So he saw literally 100 playing almost the same amount of time as Corey Crawford. Um, and Hellybuck, by the way, was first with 412 against, which is kind of why he won the Vesna. And then Price was second with 354. So uh, Corey Crawford, again, I think that could. That could work out pretty well. Uh, the Devils did lose Corey Schneider, Joey Anderson, Mirko Mueller, Kevin Rooney, Dakota Mermis, real person, and John Hayden. Um, we'll just keep going through because we don't have to fucking talk about all these guys. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, they signed <laughs> Jesper Fast. I like the signing of Jesper Fast. The Flyers were rumored to be in on the Jesper Fast sweepstakes for a little bit, but uh, ended up going to Carolina. They also signed Joakim Ryan and uh, signed their uh, second-round pick, Vasily Ponomarov. The 53rd overall Russian center at 40, 49 points in 57 games for Shawnigan Cataracts. They lost Justin Williams. That does not sound like a real team. Oh, it's real. And it's spectacular. You can look it up. They're in the Q&A. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah. Uh, you like that? Yeah. All right. Uh, did, Justin Williams retired. <laughs> uh, Justin Williams retired. Joel Edmondson is now with the Habs. Uh, Trevor Van Riethlake went to the Caps, who we're going to talk about in a second. And Anton Forsberg. 27-year-old goalie who had an 8.97 save percentage in three games for Carolina last year went to the Oilers. Good job, Oilers. Uh, they also lost Callum Booth, who was a 2015 fourth-round pick, who was a 23-year-old who played in 15 NHL games over the last three seasons. I don't know why I emphasized pick right there. Washington Capitals. Let's talk about it. Uh, they brought in Henrik Lundqvist, one year, $1.5 million. They brought in Justin Schultz, two years, $4 million cap hit each year. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, one year, 800 k And then they re-signed Brendan Dillon uh, for four years, $3.9 million a year. Um, and they also yeah. had the depth, the depth signings of uh, Daniel Carr up front and Cameron Schilling and Paul Ledoux on the blue line. Lost Braden Holpe, Radko Gudis, and Travis Boyd. Uh, and they also lost Tyler Lewington to the Preds, but he's not as important. Uh, again, I think the Caps out of all the, to stop real quick. I think uh, the Caps are like I'm kind of interested to see how Justin Schultz is going to work in the top top four because right now he's projected to be paired with Dimitri Orlov, who right now like the top pair is going to be Brendan Dillon, John Carlson. Dillon's going to play defense. Carlson's going to play offense, pretty much. And then the second pair is going to be Orlov. And um, Justin Schultz, and uh, Justin Schultz was a name a couple years back, but he's kind of he's losing his slip. He's kind of slowing down. He's not being as effective. So this is an opportunity for him to rebound as a four, but it's going to come down to how well Dmitry Orlov kind of makes sure he's not hung out to dry too much. It's going to be a lot of the off, I think. Um, and then last but not least, but certainly least, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, Miko Koivu signed there. So uh, we our guess about him coming to Philly was wrong, but one year, $1.5 million. Uh, Gavin Bayreuther, hell of a name, uh, one year, too. They also added Max Domi and Mikhail Gregorenko uh, earlier this offseason. Gregorenko spent the last three seasons in the KHL with CSKA Moscow. Last NHL season was 2016-17 with Colorado, where he had uh, 23 points in 75 games. It's also part of that illustrious 2012 first round. 
They did lose Josh Anderson, Ryan Murray, Alexander Venberg, who went to Florida for one year at 2.25 mil. Marcus Nudavara also went to the Panthers uh, two years, 2.7 mil. And Devin Schur, who is still uh, unsigned. Um, and then looking at their lineup real quick, one on this one. Um, Alexander Texier, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Bjorkstra on the first line, Gustav Nyquist, Max Domi, and Cam Axe on the second. Nick Foligno, Mika Koivu, uh, Boone Jenner on the third, and then Raleigh Nash, Greg Aranko, William Foody on the fourth line. Uh, defensive pairs, Warinsky Jones, Vladislav Gavrikov, that's right, uh, David, uh, David yeah. Savard, uh, Gabri- Gabriel Carlson, and Dean Kukin. So their third pair looks a little iffy now. And also, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that is, they don't have a lot of offensive guns. It feels like. I mean, I like PLD and I like Atkinson and I like the addition of Domi. Um, but they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to just keep doing what they did last year, uh, which is just a lot of just emphasis on the defensive. Yep, yeah, just a defensive system and hope fucking Corpusella and Merzlikens kind of go ham. So, uh, all right, we want to run through some of these. Uh, I t- we talked about a bunch of the trades already. Uh, the other two trades that we haven't talked about, uh, we talked about Brandon Sod. So that trade was Brandon Sod and Dennis Gilbert to the Avs for Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm. Great trade for the Avs. And then Austin Watts was traded to the Senators for a 2021 fourth. Uh, Austin Watson of the Predators. And then the the Paul Stastny trade was to the Jets for Carl Dahlstrom and a 2022 conditional fourth, which again, I mean, the, Jet, the Jets and Canucks did what you should be doing. And they saw a team that needed to get out of cap relief, and they bought up in a trade, which is how everybody should be handling the Lightning right now. And uh, they should keep uh, beating up uh, the Gold Knights over it. So, uh, looking at some of these signings, Stefan. Uh, I mean, the biggest one is definitely Petrangelo going to the, the Vegas. You got Taylor Hall going to the Sabres. Uh, I mean, there's not really Taylor Hall was a pretty shocking one. It really was a shocking one. I mean, it makes complete sense, but I just really felt like. If you're Taylor Hall and you played in Edmonton, New Jersey, and Arizona, I thought maybe you're going to treat yourself and finally go somewhere good and not not just one more year. Maybe it's like, all right, I just got to do one more year of shitty hockey and then I get I can finally get get back out there and start making money. But I think that was pretty much what I I read as far as what the thought process ended up being. Like, just go somewhere where I'll put up numbers for the year. Maybe even just be traded to a contender midseason. Like. But go somewhere where I can just put up a shit ton of numbers. Kind of like Jeff's. He's probably looking at what Jeff Skinner did mm-hmm. and said, that's what I want. This is how I win. Yeah, <laughs> this is how I win. Yeah, but that is exactly, uh, yeah, Jeff Skinner actually did. I mean, that's exactly what he did. You're right. He, I think he had 36 goals that year, got paid, and then uh, just kind of disappeared. I don't know who was in the lineup last year. But that if you're going to play one season next to Jack Eichel, that would be the guy to do it. Uh, or the guy to be saddled next to if you wanted to, um, you know go off and uh, make some money the next season. So, uh, And also the Petrangelo stuff, crew going to St. Louis. We talked about that. Um, some other big signs. Tyler Toffoli to Montreal, I think is pretty big for Montreal. Uh, again, I'm not saying it like, bumps them up, but I, I like that signing for the Canadians. And I do think the Canadians, somewhere along the line, I think the Canadians are going to start becoming a threat in the Atlantic, but I don't know if it's certain it's going to be like next year. But I think they can be. I think they can be pretty decent. Yeah, I don't know if they're quite there yet, uh, or if they'll ever be there. Frankly, I, I don't. Yeah, think they, they will, may not as long be. As the Montreal Canadiens, but I, I think they did some good stuff. They'll definitely be better. 
than last year. Uh, we talked about the Petrangelo one. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Buffalo, they're still not going to do shit, but, you know, cool. You're going to be fun to watch. Yeah. You're not playing my <laughs> team. Uh, looking at some other, just going through some random signings. I like Craig Smith of Boston, unfortunately. I think that was a good ad by the Bruins. I I have no feel about I like Tyson Berry going to the Oilers feels about right because like Tyson Berry I think it like I think the conclusion everybody came to after his time in Toronto was he doesn't really do much of anything so it feels like that would be a guy the Oilers Oilers would kind of like hitch their wagon to uh, Calgary uh, living large uh, they lost T J Brody and Eric Gustafson replaced them with Alex Petrovic and Chris Tanev so uh, yeah that's that's good stuff going on out there with the Flames. Uh, <laughs> talked about Joe Thornton leaving for the NLA, uh, getting down off to the Senators. Uh, yeah, we talked about Marlon to the Sharks as well. Zach Bogosian and Aaron Dell to the Maple Leafs. Um, I think That's those are two. I, I think those are two signings that are really not. I, I think Aaron Dell is fine as a backup option. But it's funny that like the Leafs, one of their bigger issues is just finding a backup goalie. So uh, I, I, we'll see. Aaron Dell usually, I feel like, does kill the Flyers too. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, when he's playing them maybe a couple times each year. Uh, Lucas yeah, Hallmark. The Leafs oh, sorry. Had, did, did we talk about uh, Wayne Train to the Leafs? Yeah, yeah, we talked. I think we did, yeah. Uh, did we? Wayne, yeah, Wayne Simmons. Wants to I'm actually not sure we did, but yeah, yeah Wayne, Wayne say, Simmons is okay. a Maple Leaf, and I don't... It, it's not like when he went to the Devils, and I'm like, you know, I'm not worried about it from a competitive standpoint because he's not the player he once was, but yeah, yeah. you just hate to see him in that uniform. I'm actually happy for Simmons here. He gets to play for a contender... He gets to play for his hometown yeah, team, yeah. which he seems really psyched about. So, I mean, and he took less money to go to Toronto because yeah. Montreal had offered him a contract too. And he turned down less money from Montreal to go to Toronto. So I, I wish him nothing but the best. I don't want the Leafs to win shit, but I want Wayne Simmons to do real well. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm of that mindset too. I'm, I'm happy that he's getting to go home. He actually is going home <laughs> rather than the old Tavares joke I had, but like I... I mean, it's got to be the thrill for him to also play for his hometown team. So I'm just happy they uh, yeah. actually signed him. And uh, again, not the same old dude. Like he's not the old same old uh, Wayne, but uh, that's fine. I mean, I'm so you know happy for him. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I I think the it's just funny to me that the Leafs take away from the and a lot of NHL teams take away from the Lightning winning the cup was well we need physical gritty guys and it's like <laughs> well no the Lightning didn't win the cup because they had like Patrick Maroon being the big rig in there. They won the cup because they had fucking Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, they just de- had destroying people's lives. Yeah, they just had the, the team from last year was like, all right, we can't get embarrassed again, and then they all just kind of uh, woke up. It wasn't because they had Patrick Maroon and Luke Shen, but that's definitely the st- that's definitely the takeaway. A lot of like GMs are going to uh, pull away from that is just uh, oh well, they added two physical players, so we gotta we gotta amp up our physicality because that's how you win now. But I, I mean, that's at the least, what I saw for why the yeah. Leafs signed Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Well, they would like if I'm the Leafs, they need more. If they need toughness anywhere, it'd be more on the blue line because their guys are all pretty mobile and they're not really like shutdown guys. But uh, I mean, I'm not gonna tell the Leafs what to do. They can keep flaming out uh, earlier than they should be flaming out all these seasons. So uh, is that Lucas Walmart too? Uh, signed with the Blackhawks. He was somebody that I think it was Evan uh, fan of the show about last week so i went to the blackhawks uh and then uh some former flyers here uh kyle Quisquolo went to the red wings he was never a former flyer but uh he's from here southampton new jersey and was also with the phantoms last year got traded to the ducks in that grant deal at the trade deadline uh michael vecchione uh ncaa superstar nhl dud 
went to the Avs as well. Uh, Mark Alt went to the Kings. And then uh, a couple guys I had thrown out there as possible options for third-slash-fourth-line center. Uh, Johan Larson went to the Coyotes, like with a bailing out there in Arizona. And then Cody Eakin went to the Sabres. I wasn't a big fan of Eakin. I was just throwing out a possible name that could fit. Uh, one more serious thing, and then we're going to start fucking around. Arbitration hearings uh, start on Tuesday. Not as relevant for the Flyers this year, uh, because My- nor My- Myers nor Patrick is going to be up for it. Uh, or at least they're not on the scheduled uh, meetings as of yet. Uh, October 20th, though, uh, Andrew Mangiapane and Matt Grizzlick are up. Uh, Anthony D'Angelo was scheduled for that, but like we mentioned before, he did sign a two-year Contract with a cap at $4.8 million a year. October 21st is Ilya Mikheyev uh, from the Leafs. And then October 22nd is former Maple Leaf Connor Brown. So and by the time we record next, I believe the next uh, few hearings are on 25th. So we'll update you on who's supposed to have the hearings from then and also how these went as well. Um, Steve, I think you should lead off with this one. Usually off with the first two fuck around topics because you discover both of them. The one I am thoroughly enjoyed about. I'm thoroughly excited about we we're supposed to talk about last week that we didn't get a chance, but I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. So the the first one that came up, so I happen to just be, as I do, scrolling the Twitter timeline, the old Twitter timeline, and I saw this this screenshot where uh, it's from Twitter user Senor Combs, and it says, So you're the mayor of Tonawanda, being interviewed about being accused about corruption, and you put on your finest corn mask. <laughs> so it's it's a screenshot of this guy in a suit, and or, you know, in a dress shirt and tie, and he's got a corn mask with, like, a... It's like the corn logo and, like, a rag doll, like, one of their albums. <laughs> It's it's got to be the most like ridiculous thing you could put on in a professional government setting. I mean, obviously there are slightly more ridiculous things you could go with, but this is pretty fucking unprofessional. Yeah. And I thought this was hilarious. Like of all the bands to put on a mask yeah, for I, I, every band ever. How do you land on who lands on corn? Who gets who to lands the on court? corn? Like I've seen Philadelphia's mayor Jim Kenny put on an Eagles mask. That's totally acceptable. I thought you were about to say you saw like, Jimmy Kenny put on the uh, a corn mask too, and I was like, oh okay. That's I did. He's a big corn fan. <laughs> he, he's, you know, when I see him on the street, I I just go, Mister Mayor, boom, bapa, doom, bapa, <laughs> and he starts like bouncing up and down to it. He loves it. It's his favorite noise. You know, when that god damn that song. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say I have a. I was gonna say Steve when he when that politician was getting away with the corruption, he probably thought to himself, "Got the life." And then when he was uh, getting interviewed there and he realized he had been caught, uh, he probably thought, "It's falling away from me." So these are good. These are good corn references I'll bring up. And uh, imagine trying to explain to somebody, like somebody younger than us. Like I, I'm, I'm sure Brad wouldn't know, but like. Just play "Got the Life" and be like, you know, people listen to this like many years ago. Like this was actually this was popular. Like they to make it liked. to make it better. Look up the music videos. Like the music videos. Oh my god! <laughs> look those up on YouTube. They are treasures of the time. Like "Got the Life" is like a weird parody of the like the like gangster rap culture of the late nineties, and it's just so awkward and like white and goddamn it. And yeah. then. Freak on a leash, guys. 
Freak on a Leash, the bullet video. Oh, oh my God. yeah, that was that was that was some big stuff back in the day. Like back before that, we had stuff. Got that Todd McFarlane animation in there. And all that shit. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, I mean, there that was a pretty good Steve. So another thing, real quick. I just rapid fire. You got to rank all these bands real quick. All right, I got I got four for you. Okay. And you got, I'm just gonna rapid fire. Corn. Is this, what, what? Hold on. All right, ranking. Is this ranking based on quality? Uh, based you, on you polarity? Me you personally, personally okay. and I'm going to tear, tear you apart for it. So you got Corn, Slipknot, Trap, and P.O. Day. How do you rank them? Oh, fuck me. Exactly. Oh, that, that is exactly God. the answer I was looking for. All right. I mean, well, yeah. no, no, even with the hilarity rankings, P.O.D. is dead last because they are the they still hold the title of worst band I've seen live. I wasn't there for P.O.D. I wasn't there for a good band, but I wasn't there for P.O.D. And my God, were they terrible. Now, see, I'm uh, pulling P.O.D. first. Because I was on a football team in high school, and if you lifted weights at all in any weight room, boom, uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC and Backcountry by Avenged Sevenfold are just fucking seared into your brain. So, like, those three oh, songs, I'm going to die. A classic, come on. Yeah, yeah, it is. And also, I would, I would argue Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, I'd say Backcountry is, is a bop still. I still listen to that. But, like, uh, but see, like, that's the only redeeming quality was, uh, the, was uh, boom or whatever. So like oh, that was, yeah. That was used in so many Every shitty movie word. trailers, yeah, so absolutely. many like hype videos. It's also used boom. in the highlight. Here comes of, the uh, boom. It was Ready used on the, the Fox broadcast of uh, Sheldon Brown absolutely lighting up Reggie Bush. Uh, okay, well that's it. one of my yeah. favorite Eagles highlights from a shitty game. So that's so there you go. I mean that's uh, that will put POD first in my books. The rest of them, oh, man. Leave them to. The, I mean they belong to. The uh, I was never into Slipknot. Ne- like it's just never never got into them trapped what was their song uh Headst- headstrong and headstrong. then they've yeah, all right exactly. fine okay i got my rankings then i got my rankings then my my ranking because you know what i enjoyed some shitty headstrong so <laughs> my ranking's gonna be corn trapped slipknot pod although i will acknowledge <laughs> that slipknot is actually a better band musically than the trapped. I, I, I enjoyed that song yeah. better and I never got into Slipknot. And Corn, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I enjoyed them at the time to a degree, but my god, they were a fucking band. They are a team. They are frozen in time. Like they very much felt like I I, I didn't think twice of them when they were out, I guess, because there was a lot of that stuff going on, but like now going back and looking at some of their songs today, I was like uh, like what what were we doing? What was going on? Was that really that, like, we were so bored we had to come up with that kind of shit? Like, before we had, like, I don't know, the internet and, like, better... Uh, it was just a weird... It's a weird time, you know? I Steve, just remember there. kids at school wearing their giant, giant court oh, shirts. Yeah, God. That yeah, would go was, down to their knees and... Had a lot of that in Lincoln Park. Let me just say, I ended up at that lunch table quite a bit with those kids. Because <laughs> I was not, believe it or not, very popular. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, those but those kids are probably pretty cool though. Probably oh, they were nice the kids, yeah. Kids, yeah. So it's yeah, all, yeah. It's all worth it in the end. Um. Yeah. So I mean, that's uh, let's talk about some shitty uh, older bands. Uh. And then well, I want to talk so, about. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah. I really enjoy this topic, but because we're running pretty late and I got to go soon, I want to bump this one to next week. Oh man! All right, it's getting bumped again. I like it. That's I great. know. I know. I really want to talk again, about it, but no it's getting bumped again. It. 
it's fucking great, and we do need to devote time to it. And uh, yeah, there's only I mean we only got one. It's Beastie Boys related. I, I freaking love the Beastie Boys, so we'll we'll talk about that next week. I'm, I'm yeah. all about it. That whole thing is gold. Like everything you said, I, I still, everything I want to give it the proper time because we gotta do we gotta do a batch update. We're bordering. We're close to two hours. We gotta get this batch update in. Yeah, squeeze it. I gotta get to sleep. So yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do the batch update. All right. What's Ian got for us this week, Craig? So let's see. Uh, so he's getting right into it. So, uh, quote, after some production delays and the construction of a hashtag bachelor bubble, we finally have a fresh season centered around a former bachelor contestant, 39-year-old Claire Crawley. Uh, oh, that's a B- Hell of a name. Uh, starts with a nice little oration there. Uh, ABC I, briefs us. I feel us. like she owns a seafood shack somewhere. Claire Crawley. Claire Crawley. Uh, crab. Crab, uh, Claire, Claire Crawley's Crab Shack. Try saying that. Claire, more than two there times. you go. Claire Crawley's Crab Contraption. Yeah, something like that. Uh, ABC briefs us on all what's been going on in the world. In Claire case you Crawley's had... Crab Concoctions. All right. <laughs> ABC briefs us all on what's been going on in the world. In case you outdid Jared Leto and just got out of an extension meditation retreat and didn't know about the raging pandemic. Did you hear that story and back in like Demi. May? Or like, I remember seeing that headline. Like Jared Leto was on some like fucking excursion on another continent and then he came back and he was like oh no what's covid in like may oh, oh my buddy God. I get up speed up get up to date fucking God 30 jared leto i'm gonna it, if you don't start paying attention most... jared leto i'm gonna send you on a fucking plane 30 seconds to mars or something that doesn't you know <laughs> jesus jared leto <laughs> says <laughs> he has so found weird. a way to make himself the most insufferable uh, oh yeah, he's the like biggest of the of the actors like. that method actors, the most insufferable method actor out there. Just be because he's just always like, I need to dedicate myself a thousand. Like the antics he did as the Joker on the Suicide Squad when he was like the, uh, uh, oh god, his awful awful. <laughs> just like, he just tortured everybody he worked with. It sounded unbearable. I was uh I was watching behind the scenes stuff on uh the last Blade Runner they did and like it was like he wore contacts to actually make himself blind to play a blind man. Why? Uh, yeah, well, okay, you don't need to. You can calm down, JL. You don't need to do that much. Maybe just keep up on, uh, you know, topical news and everything. We'll do, we're just yeah. asking for that. Just, just you know, do the bare minimum and know not to, uh, not to be touching strangers. Yeah, that's all you gotta do. Um, going back, uh, quote: They cut the Claire driving to the bubble, Palm Springs La Quinta Resort, with her dogs flopping around the back seat as she makes a series of sharp turns. Chris. Chris Harrison knocks on her door a few days later to tell her she's tested negative for COVID. So it's very. I was on the edge of my seat. I was. I'll tell you what. I couldn't. I was hoping that was the case. So, quote: We get a series of selfie vids from the contestants while they wait for their own negative test. <laughs> Main takeaways. Oh I already want to. Let's, just, take, let's I just... just make a mockery of everything everybody's been suffering for the past six. Yeah, seven this months. is this is what we want to. Yeah, people are really relating to this. Main takeaways, Bennett wastes no time to tell everybody that he went to Harvard. Ivan plays himself in chess, and Garen, Garen, Garen strolls out of his room and says, Garen. What's up, mountains? What's up, trees? What's up, grass? Okay, I fucking oh hate God. Garen. I've known Garen for three seconds, and I want this dude fucking out of like, I, I, Why isn't his name him, Gavin? Why yeah, is he talking well, to yeah. just like, anything and that's, he sees? I get that's a lot on his parents, but at the same time, if you're saying hello to fucking inanimate objects, you, you're, you're gone. You're dead to me. Uh, what's up mountains yeah good night what's up, sidewalk that's actually his version of good night moon is what's up mountains <laughs> just him waking up with a he's like reading to his future kid he's like what's up mountain what's up stars what's up moon 
They're like, Dad, can you leave? And then, uh, uh, moving on, quote, the boys roll up in a limo to meet Claire. But before they get out, they get in a huddle and shout, one, two, three, Claire. Right. Jay walks out in a straight jacket. Jason, Jason yeah. walks up in a suit of armor. Ed comes up in a bubble, topical, and Yosef yeah. brings moon pies, which easy, easy he makes mistakes as thin mints. I forgot we had a chasing and an easy. This season's gonna kill me. This uh, this season's God gonna kill it. me on this. And podcast. you're not even watching it. I'm not even. Yeah, this is it. terrible. I didn't okay. read this beforehand. So moon uh, pies. Claire meets Dale, and soon after he leaves, she tells the camera that she may have just met her husband. Well, Claire, that's the whole fucking idea. I hope you did. Uh, at some point. <laughs> At some point in a conversation, Claire admits she hasn't seen my cousin Vinny and tries to get out of it by saying, growing up, she was, quote, climbing trees and playing in dirt, not watching movies, end quote. Poor excuse, TBQH. That's Ian's edit. And also, I would like to add on to that. Yeah, you still got to make some time to see my cousin Vinny. I've seen my cousin Vinny, and I've seen, like, eight movies. Uh, It was uh, was pretty good. I haven't seen shit. Yeah, Uh, very funny. You know what youths are and she doesn't? That is, that's, that's, and that's kind of scary. Uh, but that's, uh, yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, quote, Tyler has some hot gossip, hot gossip, on Yosef sliding into the DMs of many ladies on Instagram. Tyler oh, wow. confronts Yosef. He shrugs it off and says, I don't care what that mini McConaughey says about me. Oh my God. This is about as juicy as the first app gets. Okay. So it sounds like, mini- uh, McConaughey. Uh, Tyler the DM. All right, all right, all uh, right. That's my mini McConaughey. <laughs> Tyler the Tyler the uh, DMer and like Yosef Helium Bob. McConaughey, really. <laughs> that was pretty hot pitch for a mini McConaughey. But what's Matthew McConaughey doing these days? I haven't seen him in those fucking Ewoks. What's the hour where like you know he what, was? <laughs> you know what Matthew McConaughey is doing? He's hanging out. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, actually, I guess if we're all supposed to be at home hanging out, why would he go out and work hard? Like he's still going to be Matthew McConaughey. God damn, what a what a life that guy leads. So, anyway, last last but not least, uh, quote Claire sends some dudes home. I don't remember who, but it doesn't really matter because there's like 27 dudes left. Uh, so there you go. That is the that's the batch update for this week, and it was a doozy. I already remembered why I don't watch this show. Like, just a quick snapshot of this show, and I, I know I never want to turn it on. Uh, so yeah, there never. you go. Never, not once. Never, never is, at all. It has justified everything I've ever suspected. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I, not cool. Man, it's not the season, the season's off to a, a rough start, and, but you know, they're all rough in their own yeah, well, yeah, not, yeah. And, uh, but I will say this one, we got, uh, some team huddles going on. Uh, we got some guys with, uh, dumbass names. And, uh, Garrett. At, at least, I What's mean, up, Mountains. <laughs> yeah. Look, Garrett, I could leave Garrett alone. But you can't, can't double, like, you can't, like, if you already have the goofy name, you can't then go be a goober on top of that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I don't know. Garrett the so, goober. Yeah. So, goober's fine, right? Goober's not a bad word. Goober's fine. Feels fine. As far as I, I know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. I mean, we could go ask the old man who thought it was worse than. You know, I told you that story before. Where like, uh, my friends, my friends were like waiting for another friend outside her house, and this old man came up and was like, basically told him like, "You're a piece of shit, and you're a goober." <laughs> <laughs> 
right, yeah. the, real, the emphasis was on the goober. So according to that old man, it's worse. But you know, it's okay. So well then, uh, apologies in advance. Uh, goober is a bad word. So uh, just you I'm know, offended. Plain to say, I'm yeah. offended. I, you should all Americans and the world really. Honestly, I'm, if you're throwing off flat purple, you should be instantly offended. You should be offended that you've had, you're having the same time with this fucking thing. So anyway, around the league. Uh, one update both Brad Marchand and David Poshnick could miss the start of next season Marchand had sports hernia surgery and won't be ready until mid-January uh, at the earliest Poshnick has surgery to repair a torn labrum and isn't expected to be back until mid-February so if we're going by Bill Foley's timeline uh, they should be fine you're going to have like David Poshnick missing a couple games uh, and then the other thing I, I had in here was the, uh, the note about JJ getting fired by the Phillies but we already talked about how the Phillies are fucking cheap. So there you go. Cheap ass Phillies. There we are. Here it is. You know, the the pandemic crew shows up for you all season, blowing their air horns, and this is how you repay them. (laughs) That's pretty good. True heroes. That's pretty good work right there. I never, I don't know if I've heard that term yet. You haven't heard that? Oh, the pandemic crew was the absolute highlight of the COVID season. And believe me, there weren't that many for the Phillies. Actually, (laughs) Great team, with the exception of their shitty bullpen. I, I, I was going to say, I could say, talk yeah. for hours about this, yeah. The the amount of uh, bitching I heard on Twitter, apparently deservedly so, about the Phillies' bullpen, was jarring to me when I then looked and saw they almost made the playoffs. So I was like, oh, I thought like I thought the bullpen absolutely wasted the season, but they, well, they did. They, they did absolutely waste the season, but apparently the rest the of the team was pretty good. If- yeah. They blew in. They just blew leads left and right. It was just an atrocity, and that's why I love hockey so much right now because it's not. <laughs> it's a low uh, bar to clear, but hell yeah, that's so. Yeah. It's a low bar to clear. It's not the Phillies bullpen. It's not Eagles receivers. Not named Fulgham. I I I, I can't oh, anymore. Guys. Like sports are bad. Yeah, sports are bad. Speaking of sports are bad, nice. you can find Craig on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna have the prospect thing out for tomorrow, but I do. I do want to get the Tyson Forrester like deep dive in out next week, and then start diving into the other guys. Uh, probably Zade Wisdom, uh, Connor McLennan, and I don't know. WHL does a lot of highlights, so hopefully Connor McLennan too. And the QMJHL is kind of hit or miss in terms of like tracking all the goals and everything. So whatever I can do with this draft class, I'll do, and I'll also go back. I want to start doing uh, the other draft. Uh, draft picks as well so see if i can find tape of uh cam york and bobby brink and igor serduk and all those other guys that were uh drafted in 2019 or earlier and just kind of uh extensive research on how they produced points that season and generated shots and if it was more them creating for themselves or being helped and all this kind of shit so there you go first one should be out next week and then i hope it will start popping out from there on out excellent and also fly look out look out for fly yeah can't forget flight purpley. Cannot forget the flight, no matter how much you may try to do so. We're not going anywhere, folks. Can't Big cancel Alan it, baby. Crew, Chucky two traits. We made all that shit. The, K- the NAKGB. <laughs> we the, uh, we uh, are yeah. the germ. You can't get rid of. That's not <laughs> no, a good that's, reference at this yeah, time. Yeah, that's not the right. Not answer. a good reference at this time, but I am too tired to cut it out, so we're just going to continue with that. You can follow Craig at Sports Are Bad. You can follow me at Estebaum or Fly Purbly, but for your hockey needs, make it Fly Purbly. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Check out all that good stuff. Also, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out and RIPD to one of my favorite restaurants in Philly that just had to shut down. Chew Noodle Bar on 10th Street, shut down uh, just everything with COVID, just couldn't stay open. Uh, There's a couple more Chew spots, but man, 
the 10th street one i went there for work lunches so often had great ramen bowls love that place will dearly miss it oh, that sucks i mean that yeah that's like one of the worst parts of this is all those restaurants are really struggling right now yeah so if you can support any of your local restaurants or bars if there's a way if there's a staff fund or anything please support them to to keep them open they're going through i think some of the hardest economic times because of of what's going on you know the restaurants and bar industry has just uh really been you know torn apart on this yeah it's yeah it sucks but uh support them in any way you can folks thank you so much for listening remember to continue wearing your mask wash your damn hands get out there and vote and that's all until next time in the words of the great gene Hart. good night and good hockey Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things. Like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell. And Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports Channel. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. 
new episodes of Fly on the Wallin' drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin' wherever you get your podcasts.